0: welcome to the music relish podcast i'm mark smith i'm here with perry davidovich and lou caliccio did i pronounce them right
1: it's actually perry dudovich all right <laughs> and Lou have a,
0: there you go we're gonna have a great show tonight we're gonna be talking about cowbell going to be talking about the Universal Studio Fire, of the documentary, the section. But before we start, just want to remind you, if you're watching us on YouTube, please click like and subscribe if you like what you hear. We're also available on Facebook, Spotify, and Apple. And our email is musicrelishpodcast at gmail.com. Anything you want to comment, if we make a mistake, bring it up, whatever you want to do.
1: Well, our audio podcast is available on Spotify, Anchor. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we are on PodChaser. We're also on Pocket Casts. Nice, and of, and of course YouTube. Yes. Okay, so, so uh, uh, we we have a we have a category called "More Cowbell." Do we not? Yes. Yes, we do. Somebody want to start in with a a, a song or two that has cowbell on it. Oh, well,
0: why don't you start? because well, it was your idea.
1: Well, okay, I'll. uh yeah. I have a. I have a sample of one here. I'll throw in and um, a few seconds sample, and uh, you will yeah. all know what it is. Buddy Holly. Yep, Linda Ronstadt doing a Buddy Holly song. Yeah. It's so easy. Yep. Cowbell is a great
2: instrument, you know, when and not, used, just for, uh, not just for cows.
1: Yeah. I mean, it worked well in Rock Lobster,
2: right? In and, and so many things, and of course, yeah. this is all, This a lot of this is inspired by that famous SNL skit by the band whose initials I can't pronounce. I can't even say the name, but I can't even say the initials with yeah. BOC. Of,
1: of course, we can't even play a sample of it because we'll get shut down, but no. uh, we'll know it's, it was uh, Don't Fear the Reaper,
2: right? That's right, and it's yeah. not that loud. There are, the, the crux is there's more songs that feature cowbell in a little more obvious way than than that you know but
1: anyway that was yeah. a good one. that was linda ronstadt it's so easy linda ronstadt doing buddy holly it's so easy yep, yep. with uh waddy wachell on guitar i believe right
2: it's what it's Wachtel. i can't say it and, i used to watch all
1: and uh, you have a little uh you have a little discussion <laughs> later on about people like him correct yeah i do i do yeah cool Yep. anybody else have a cowbell tune i got one oh, for one. it
2: what have you got it was a number one it was a number one hit <laughs> in 1968 by the South African trumpeter Hugh Masakella and the song was called Grazing in the Grass.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's yeah. a ton
2: of yeah, there's a ton of cowbell Yeah, but <laughs> it's <laughs> right <laughs> off the
1: the cowbells pretty much right off the bat, right?
2: Yeah, much yeah, yeah. right. it's, it's an integral part of of the whole song. Yeah, yep. And you know, so that was 1968, there was a uh, another version in 1969 with vocals. You remember it? I do, yeah. Can you dig it, baby? That was yeah. the Friends of Distinction.
1: I can dig it, dig it, dig it. She can dig it, dig it. Yeah. Dig. Can you dig yeah. it, baby? Yeah. A,
2: a good song with a great drum break in it, too. Yeah. And it had more than enough cowbell. Yeah. <laughs> they brought in a cowbell player to play on that song. Now, do you know what Hugh Masekela also played on?
1: Mm, um, something famous? No. What is it?
2: It's a, it was a It was a song covered by R.E.M. by The Birds. You you had a live uh, VHS of them playing that with a certain 12-string guitar player. Yeah, Roger McGuinn of the Birds. Uh, is the trumpeter He's the trumpeter on "So You Want to Be a Rock and Roll Star." You wow, really? Just a little stuff there, yeah.
1: And what was he from South Africa?
2: Yeah, he was, he was South African. Yep, Hugh Masakela.
1: Huma well, I'm surprised Paul Simon didn't use him way back then. Maybe he did. Maybe yeah, he yeah. did. Right, yeah. Mark, have you got a cowbell song? Yeah. What have you got?
0: It is Nazareth, Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. Yeah. Yeah. Hair of the Dog. One heck of a track. Probably my yeah. favorite song of theirs besides Love Hurts.
1: Hmm. I, have a, I have a son of, a of that bitch. also. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah nazareth they were, they were they were dutch weren't
1: they no i think they're from scotland or something, weren't they N- yep. no scotland. i don't think they were scotland they're yeah. from scotland Scotland. Well, i think yeah. so yeah yeah all right yeah. maybe well you know what we'll have to look that up one day well, cover yeah. me and
2: Haggis and call me disgusting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, obviously, you know, we're an American band. We don't have to play that, right? You know, Grand Funk Railroad, we're an American band. Great drum intro. I mean, it is. It is. I think it's classic. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's a good drummer, Don Brewer. But I mean, you as a drummer, right? Mm-hmm. Now, did every drummer want to learn how to do that? people who are really into drums that they want to do that like guitar players want to learn how to load smoke on the water right something. yeah yeah
2: i would i would say that was on the b list really maybe yeah maybe maybe yeah um wipe out being preeminent amongst all young <laughs> young drummers yeah on your yeah. friggin desk um yeah but that, that was good that was a good drum intro
1: though yeah. yeah yeah so i mean obviously like mississippi queen too by by um who were they mountain
2: mountain yeah mississippi right? queen yeah I got a I got a sample of one, and I would like you guys to try to guess this, okay?
1: Okay. Lover boy working for the weekend.
0: <laughs> it won't. It won't turn off.
1: <laughs> Careful, don't hit that thirty seconds. Nah, I know. I think I think we're safe. Yeah. That was a big, big riff, though. That was a big riff. Oh yeah! Oh yeah!
2: Yeah. Um, just the cowbell hits that, 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 and the snare hit would be enough to clue you into that song. Yeah,
1: I saw that guy I, interviewed one time, and he was saying that. Uh, Mike Reno. Uh, yeah, he said Nirvana killed us. Nirvana put us to bed <laughs> because that was the uh, the tail end of all this. I don't know what you called the slick. It yeah. was. It was slick. Yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. I guess commercial pop
2: metal, maybe, or something, or MTV whatever hits, whatever category. No. Yeah. Well, they yeah. were from Canada. I mean, they were from Canada, right? Most of them are. And Matt Furnette is a funny, funny drummer. Um, my favorite, I think Beavis and Budhead made fun of this. My favorite all-time, one of the Borsa videos on MTV is the, um, the Hot Girls in Love when he's playing with the gas pumps in his hands. <laughs> <laughs> not, a, not easy to do, but not, not really, you know, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make it. Anyway, lover boy, Everybody's working for the weekend. And, yeah, that was a cowbell cowbell intro there are others
0: hey i he i see perry talking but i don't hear him
1: lowrider lowrider yeah that that, was that that was war war was a great band yeah that was that was great
2: yep yeah uh, and not only the, is the cowbell great, the whole percussion on that song is really great. The
1: timbales. I mean, it's yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was a good one.
0: How Ready about this? On? Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Come on in with one.
0: Here's a melodic use of cowbell once in a lifetime from talking heads. That just really? goes through the whole song with the verse. What is it? It's very, it's, it's in there. It's very subtle, but this is not my beautiful wife. That song.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to play a sample of it, no? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, because it just this goes is, through uh, the whole song. Uh, yeah, what's the, does, does song? Really? what's the name of that song? What's the name of that
0: song? Once in a Lifetime.
2: As the
1: water runs clear, once in a lifetime. On in... the
0: verses, you'll yeah. hear there's... water. there's water at the bottom of the it, ocean.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about, how about this one, guys? You'll be surprised that I even have it. You guys will be shocked that I even have this. <laughs> Rush. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Is, is that in the, the first mood. Album? I think it's called or something, right? That's in the first yeah. album, isn't it? Mm. So that wow. was before Neil Pert. That was the other guy,
2: John. John
1: John Rutsey. R-
2: yeah. Wow. Um, uh, that was that was a surprise coming from you, Pert.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs>
2: Now one of my favorite Beatles songs has a lot of cowbell in it. And it is You Can't Do That. Yeah. The yep. cowbell is everybody's green. Long, long, yeah, long, yeah. Long. Of course yep, we yep. can't go
1: near that. Or we can't go near drive my car either. No, no, you can't. Or you can go right. also
2: A Hard Day's Night. Yeah. Maybe you I'm can home.
1: drive my car. Yeah, yeah Hard yeah. Day's Night. Yep. All right. How about play that funky music, why boy? That that had a lot of cowbell in it, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, Wild Cherry, they were called? Yep. Yeah.
0: Another good one. Uh, hot Chocolate, You Sexy Thing. I'm listening to it. Yes. I hear a lot of percussion in that, and I think there's cowbell. Yeah, yeah.
2: There. So. Um,
0: that's all we can play before we start doing the full Monty.
2: Right, right. Yeah. How about Black Magic Woman and everything on everything Santana ever did? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially in the early years. Oh,
0: oh yeah, but come on! Magi- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had their vocalist holding a cowbell when he sang.
1: Yep. <laughs> How about this one, or did we do this one already? Oh. Did we do that one already? No, we
2: didn't. What's it called, that was or?
1: uh who was that kiss stop it <laughs> <Dance>. that was right <laughs> so away by kiss by gene simmons right oh. produced by gene simmons yeah <laughs> uh,
2: yeah you know i th- i think yeah okay
1: there's another who, one too no no, that no, I, no
2: no 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 we're not stopping who was that
1: that, that, we're, we're being enough, <laughs> we're being that was van Halen. <laughs> contempt for your audience wait a minute do you think no one knows that it
0: might be some,
2: some people don't. There could be an eight-year-old listening to this. Really, maybe his mom, yeah, maybe his mom's, his mom or dad has it on, and he's like, heard that cowbell and that that kind of bossing over rhythm just pulled that little kid in. Yeah, and, and yeah.
0: Perry, don't forget that we play all music for educational purposes only, so we must. That's edu- right. We do. Yeah. Yes, we loop. do.
2: I like that loophole. Yeah. So now that um, is from their second album, 1979, I believe. Mark, Mark, am I right? 1978.
0: 78, 78. No, first the first album. record came out 78. This is from Van Halen oh, too. That was oh, 1979 okay. then,
1: yeah. yeah. The great then, year in 1979. Everything happened.
0: One. So they put two albums out that year. We did a
1: whole segment on that one time, 1979. Yeah. We could do more. We could do more. How about Edgar Winter, Come On and Take a Free Ride? That's got a lot of cowbell on, it, doesn't it? Yeah. Pretty, yeah. I think, yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 And Diamond Dogs by David Bowie, but I like... You know i tried mm. to find a sample of it but of course it was you know this ain't rock and roll it's genocide and uh like you know all i just you know like in and, and the cowbell mm. all right david bowie uh you know how about this uh. one <laughs> Creedence School Revival, Down, what was that called? Down in the Boondocks, <laughs> down on the corner.
0: I had a discussion about that <laughs> very band this week.
2: Who sang Down in the Boondocks? Down
1: in Billy Joe Royal.
2: Billy Joe Royal, yeah. Am I wrong? No, you were right. That is a classic. Down in the a...
1: Boondocks. That was a great song.
2: Classic Pit- uh, Boy from the Wrong Side of the Track song.
1: Yeah. I always, I kind of sound like Davy Jones from the Monkees a little bit. right huh. People put me her. down because that's you know? the side of town I was yeah. born in. Yep.
2: I love her. She loves me. Yeah. How about um, this one? You got another? Right, you, you got, you got, well, you might have the sample of this. It's, um, I it's don't. a kiss song. It's a kiss song. Calling oh, Dr. I know. I know.
1: Calling Dr. Dr. Love. <laughs> calling yeah. Dr. Love. I got the kill
2: you're thinking of.
1: Yeah, that was a Gene Call Simmons song, doctor. probably right.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, Gene Simmons. You know, I, I, listened of to Ray. I listened to it today. I'm not a big fan of Peter Chris. He played rather well on that. I thought. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the drums were good on that.
1: Song. Really?
2: Yeah. And if it was Bob Ezrin, it was Bob Ezrin. You know, whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, um, Bob Ezrin. I don't know. He just did. He did Destroyer and uh, one other one. I think in the later years. He didn't do rock and was it rock and roll over?
2: That's got Doctor Love on. Yeah, I, That's I, I the don't know. That didn't I sound.
0: I mean, was that had a horrible production? That wasn't Bob Ezrin.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It was the, the the first three records were produced by the same guys.
1: You know who used a lot of cowbell? Our friend, Def yeah. Leppard. Def Leppard did a lot of cowbell in some of their songs. Orbin, Glarben Gleben glarbin. They did photograph F-f-f-foolin. They got yeah, a lot yeah. of cowbell in there, right? And yeah. photograph. Rock
2: rocker of ages.
1: Yeah, a lot of cowbell. All right, yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. That was Mutt Lang playing that.
1: Oh, how about Twisted Sister? We're not gonna take it. But the intro to that is uh, a lot of cowbell, right?
2: Yep. Yes, it does, yeah. Be um, the best that seems like one of the best places to put it. I mean you know
1: <laughs> you got any more, Mark? How about
0: pigs Blue? from Pink Pigs from Pink Floyd? Comes in very tastefully on the huh. on the I don't you, call it the verse, the middle eight or something. Okay.
1: You yeah. were just out of Roger Waters show and there was a floating pig, wasn't there?
0: There was a floating pig and a floating sheep. That's right, two of them at the same time. Yeah, Yeah. great show.
1: I've got a sample of one here. See, you guys can guess it. Of course, Lou, you'll know this within a matter of seconds. Here, Dark Knight. Yeah, that was black and white by Three Dog Night. Yeah,
2: yeah. That's a very active cowbell. That's not just the usual four quarter notes. You know, they're doing action. Yeah, yep. More Latin influenced. You know, but no one's got grazing the grass beat for fast cowbell yet, though.
1: No, no one can no. touch that. that well, I think it holds the world
2: speed record.
1: I I wouldn't dare try and play this, but uh, "Good Times Bad Times" by Led Zeppelin. Yep, yeah. yeah. Right, big cowbell I, lead in. I, they're I only dare, uh, I, time I, using I, a cowbell. Yeah. Really?
2: I dare you to play Drive My Car by the Beatles. <laughs> Can
1: there, you get one there, note? There will not be an episode this week if we do that. <laughs> Can they give us it's, one or two it's notes? It's too early I mean, we, in the show. We went, it, yeah, I know. You know, it, we'll, have a, we'll have an eight-minute show. <laughs> no, the second <laughs> time they catch you, they cut. They
0: shut us down no more. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's right. Touch of Grey, Grateful Dead. Apparently, that has a lot of cowbell in it. It mm-hmm. does. It does. Is that the but one that goes, of these, I have a feeling you'll get by? I yeah. will survive. Yeah. Good pop song. Yeah. Um, oh, steal, Stuck in the Middle with You. You started out. Uh, Steeler's Wheel. I didn't even pick yep. that. With the yeah. cowbell thing, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. And also, it sounds like a little small China symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, how about this one? Honky Tonk Woman, Rolling Stones. Yes. yeah.
2: Right. You know, that was that was a number one single.
1: That was the number one single. <laughs> that was really? number one.
2: What year? What year?
1: 1969.
2: You are correct, sir. Um.
1: Was uh was Mick Jones? I mean Mick Taylor in the band then? Like was that his six, first gig with them? I would.
2: I don't know for sure. I would think so. I think Brian. Well, mm. Brian Jones was died. He died 69. I don't know if he was on that album or not.
1: Good question. He's on um yeah, I'm one curious, cut on know. that
0: album. He's on one cut. That's a uh, let it bleed, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's on he he's credited on one track playing Marimbas or something. That's it for okay. that album.
2: All right. <laughs> huh. So that would that was whoever Brian Jones, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I, got I, you know, I don't I got know. What do you got?
2: Um and it's a song I really don't like. <laughs> it's very popular. It is. Uh, time has come today by the Chambers Brothers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that song. That song bothers me for. Is so that the one time. where it just slows
1: down to nothing? <laughs> it and you slows down, down with cow the cowbell. Right? Yeah.
2: Time. Yeah. That was considered psychedelic soul. That uh, guess the year. Guess the year. And the and the chart. I position. would say
1: 1967.
2: You are hot tonight, Mister. <laughs> All right. What's the chart position? It was in the top 15. I'll give you that.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: One, one through 15. Take a guess. You were so close, man. <laughs> <laughs> Number eleven,
1: number wow. eleven
2: on the chart. Yep,
1: on the Hot 100 uh, Billboard chart.
2: Yep, and check this out. I mentioned you can't do that by the Beatles. That yeah. only charted number forty-eight. That's that. That's pretty shitty for a Beatles song. Wasn't yeah. you know, that a side <clears throat> I think it was a B. Yeah, of a Can't yeah. Buy Me Love. Maybe. I mean, a B-side
1: but, making the chart. <laughs> well, yeah, well, it was the Beatles, you
2: know. But um, that's one. That's the John Lennon guitar solo on that, and it's such a Lennon yeah. solo. Yep. It's all it's all rhythm and just
3: guts. Yeah. You know?
0: Hey, yeah. listen, um, back up a little bit, a little fact here. The Cowbell on Honky Tonk Women was played by Jimmy Miller. Jimmy Miller. And Mick Taylor was on that cut. He plays steel oh, wow. slide guitar. Ooh.
2: Cool, cool. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that was cool. h- Country
0: Honk. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
2: Okay, uh, here's a trivia question. What song? other song, I don't know if it's from that album or not, did Jimmy Miller play drums on? It's a big song there. Beautiful song. Great song. The drumming is great. On what album? I think it's the same one. I think it's the same Oh uh, no! You can't. You can't always. I'm sorry. You, you can't always get what you want.
0: That's right. Jimmy that's jump yeah, that. that's, yeah, because the
2: drum fills yeah. were different <clears throat> than Charlie would play. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't see how Charlie couldn't play that. I don't know. There was some politics involved.
0: <clears throat> they kind of like went in the studio. If somebody was there to play drums, they would say, "Play the drums." There's a lot of Stones tunes without Charlie playing drums on.
2: Mm. Then I heard Charlie Watts went to. Um, Went to Jimmy Miller's dressing room and punched him in the face and knocked him out. Said, "Don't you ever play my drums again."
0: He punched Mick
2: no, Jagger not, too. there was, was a take on wow.
0: that oh, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> Don't mess with Charlie.
0: Don't mess wow. with Charlie.
2: Don't mess with Charlie.
0: Um, you uh, it's only rock and roll. I forgot who played drums on that. That was recorded in Ron Wood's uh, studio. Ken, Kenny too. Jones. Yeah. Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones. Okay.
2: Kenny Jones.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Interesting. They would just have they have the best drummer in rock and. So many different drummers,
2: you know. Something like he's a good Kenny Jones, he's a great rock and roll drummer. Yeah, I, I've been hearing a lot he of faces and small face. And he, he, this guy, he had chops, he could play, and it was a mm-hmm. real solid yeah, rock and yeah. roll. Yeah, you know? yeah, rock and roll. That lame hey, hey. drum sound he had with the Who
1: anymore. <laughs> Excuse me, <clears throat> any more Cowbell <throat> songs? I'm out, I'm, out, I'm out too. I'm out too. Rock Lobster, uh, Rock Lobster, yeah. Oh, I think in the middle. Yep. And Fred uh, Fred <laughs> Snyder plays the uh, cowbell.
0: Oh, honorable mention.
1: What uh, the honorable mention? Stage
0: left by Rush, Neil Peart's drum solo on YYZ. He's got a little melodic cowbell. Dong 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 dong, dong 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 dong. Yep. He's got like four cowbells all tuned. Well, that was only, a segment called only four. More Cowbell. More cowbell.
2: Leave Blueister Cult alone.
0: You said it. You said it. Uh-oh okay okay all right what's next fellas oh did you want to uh talk about universal take my universal studio
1: fire from 19 from 2008 universal studio fire you guys mentioned this last week and it was oh yeah oh man and you know if you look it up the list of the thing of the artists who lost were in the hundreds so i won't even bother going it, it, it goes into... from a, it goes from a to z it really does yeah i, I did yeah.
2: This, i was like yeah, when i got the t i'm like i can't look anymore can't yeah
1: uh, unbelievable yeah. but there's there's a yeah. few like uh chuck barry right wow louis armstrong hmm. oh you know how it happened right so you read uh you read how it happened uh, yeah,
2: a, yeah a
1: worker was heating with a blowtorch, <clears throat> heating asphalt tiles on a facade and you're supposed to wait, you know, a couple hours to make sure it cooled. And this person, this team went home and it started a fire. And the facade was, uh, it was like one of those, um, town, you know, those downtown town hall things. They used it in like, you know, that uh, yeah. Michael Fox movie and um, sets and, and
2: things like
3: that. Yeah.
1: From back to the future that was used in quite a few for, you know, downtown uh, town hall things. And that that's what burned. Mm. But you know Louis Armstrong, Count Basie, Burt Bacharach. Here's the kicker: Gene Clark, yeah, I know, I know. Masters oh, no. gone. Me-
2: hey, Masters gone. Yeah, gone. No, carpenters, no, no. REM. Yeah, a lot, a lot of movies and TV shows too, and also a lot of, a a, a, lot of a
1: things a, like that. Yeah,
2: and and uh, the King Kong theme park ride uh, got burned down too. It was right next to part of the theme park, so King the King Kong Wild Adventure burned as well. Oh wow. So we, they lost, yeah, yeah, the giant gorilla.
0: <clears throat> and there were uh, several lawsuits because, uh, um, you know, they didn't own up to it for years. So a lot of artists, they went to get their original masters. I think Toto was one that they said, "Yeah, we want to remix our uh, catalog." And well, Tom we don't Petty have sued
1: them. Cheryl Crow mm-hmm. sued them. And uh, wow. so you were saying the other week, Lula, you know, there's fireproof this, there's fireproof things. They were stored in metal bins. Yeah, and those metal bins. In a warehouse, and they these what they were they were stored which in on metal bins which are really to be stored for like um, theme park souvenirs. That's yeah, or, or, where, in, in,
2: invoices from vendors and stuff like that. This mm-hmm. this is valuable, for, yeah, I mean, irreplaceable stuff. It's a irreplaceable, you know, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Glenn Whatever Campbell. happened to the what? Uh, oh yeah, well, he, he he can't redo Wichita lineman, huh?
1: El- well, see, there's the thing. Virtually all of Buddy Holly's masters gone. All Sweet. of them. So, Sweet. in other words, when you think about, you think about George Martin's son Giles Martin remixing the Beatles, right? Yeah. And some of these remixes are unbelievably great. All the Beatles masters are safe in London.
2: Yeah, they're yeah.
1: all they're all safe there. Yeah, but this can never happen now. And they were they were unreleased. There were alternate versions of songs unreleased material there could have been gene clark stuff that we never heard yeah. that we're never going to hear again it's it's I a real that. tragedy
2: i would think the lawsuits would be so insurmountable for them i mean it's one thing yeah Anyone, i mean think of, uh it's negligence i mean unless they could prove otherwise but yeah um i, I feel bad i mean the worker bad move buddy. I mean, well, you you had said last I, week I, I, that I would be in, I would need of some assistance and therapy after that.
1: You yep. had said that you know the guy who who was in charge mm-hmm. of the storage facility. He got called like three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, drove down there and he couldn't believe what, what he was seeing. Yeah, but like you said, they were stored in metal bins right out there in the open. All the liner notes, all the studio notes, everything gone, yep. gone.
0: And shame on them for not for not spreading it out like uh, Iron Mountain when they they store they store a lot of audio stuff uh, they spread it out among facilities so God forbid you have a, one of those fires yeah you would only lose part of it and I you know you want to get on the guy that ran that th- the guy that was in charge but you know he was just probably doing what he was told to do it's the upper suits that uh, they want to save yeah. a little money.
1: Well, you had said last week, Lulu. Why does Universal Music Group have all this stuff? Well, they absorb these record companies. Yeah, it, Universal Deca. Music Group. Actually, right. it was
2: in Motion Pictures.
1: Yeah, R- right. But it, the fire was that it was at Universal Studios. Yeah. They just had a warehouse that they were using for storage there. But they absorbed Decca. They absorbed Chess Records, MCA Records, Ch- Chess A and M chess so the chuck berry masters are gone the bo diddley masters are gone little walter all of the uh etta james all gone yeah gone you'll never hear you won't get a remix of these things ever buddy holly i mean excuse me granted you know sometimes you're like well i've got i've heard the chuck berry stuff whatever but the remixes sometimes really do a thing. Like you were talking about Stephen Wilson, yeah. right? Yeah. The remixes are incredible because these things are 50 years old. Some from date back to the 1940s. Yeah. And right? in, these in, in
0: in the case of like a Chuck Berry, maybe it's a, a mono recording, but like you touched on before, how many unreleased songs were in there that we'll never hear. That's, oh. that's the crime. Right. That is just oh, horrible.
2: I wonder if there's any digital backups of any of that stuff. They lost, owned them.
1: Digital backups were lost too. Yeah. They were all in the same uh, facility. Yeah.
2: Yep, an even greater idea. The backups, yeah. the backup is recorded, and it's, and in it's interesting you say that facility. because the guy
1: who was in charge of it, the guy who was in charge, his name is Randy Aronson. He was in charge of you, 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 the storage facility for the for the recordings, and he's been telling them for years, you have to get digital backups on these things because yeah. they're they're deteriorating in there because, yeah. like you said, they're not being stored properly. Uh, we're,
2: were Buddy Holly's and Chuck Berry's tapes in great condition to begin with?
1: Right. So, like, I mean, the Library of Congress makes digital backups of some classic recordings, right? So they'll be they'll be here for almost, you know, in infinity,
0: yeah. right? And I and I wonder what the conditions were in there. Was the humidity kept under control? Yeah, don't <laughs> you know really. You
2: know? Yeah, really It was this dry, it was like a desert in there, and these things just
1: crumble. I mean Yeah, or it was yeah. humid
0: and then they got all full of mold and but they but and... these
1: are artifacts. They're artifacts. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's that's a it's it's a real uh hit to the American music uh, yeah. scene or whatever. Absolutely. We yeah. lost and, a you, huge chunk.
1: And and the old yeah. stuff like the Decca, DECCA Records, they absorbed the Masters, mm. right? Mm. Louis yeah. Armstrong. Al Jolson, Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald, gone. Yeah. Gone. They were an American
2: label. I guess they had a... within the Beatles audition for Decca? Uh, was that yeah, a, the, the British, was probably an British international. Subsidiary.
1: I mean, the, the Rolling Stones might have been on Decca for a while. Atco. Billie Holiday. Gone.
2: So hopefully they learn from their mistakes and whatever happens. Whatever's left of anyone's catalog at this point,
1: you know, you know, that's under... They told the press it's a minor mishap. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah.
0: I I don't yeah. think they learned because it's just pennies, Pennywise, pound foolish. As they were acquiring these labels, they were probably just throwing all the masters in that building. Just get them in there. Just get them in there. Not thinking about the future.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm sure there. Were, I'm sure there are a lot of workers that were like us guys going, look at all this shit. What are they doing? You know, yeah, know like, making suggestions, right. saying you really got to do something here. This is this is the travesty. You know, yeah, shut up. You know. Yeah. Well, I encourage, you know, we encourage the whistleblower. If you work for one of those companies, say something.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's I And mean, yeah. it said that it was a, tre- a huge treasures, was just lost. That's just
1: and and some, ju- some journalist wrote like, you know, and, and it's a nice point that he made. He said, you know, it's a, a remix is sort of, it's a picture and you can bring new clarity to the picture yeah. Mm-hmm. by remixing these things like, you know, new clarity to these Beatle records. And these, yeah. this will never happen with Steely Dan lost masters in there. Cheryl that, Earl lost that, all of her masters.
0: That kills me. I would love to see, although it would probably take Donald Heck. Fagan 20 years to do one song, but I would love to right. see a different take, uh, just to know that they're there. That's well, criminal it, it's funny guy. you
1: say that because Irving Azoff <laughs> yeah. was really pissed off because. Steely Dan lost. I guess he's their manager, or what you know. So he he found out that there's some really early Steely Dan recordings that were sent to another UMG facility in Pennsylvania. So he went there with uh, somebody named Elliot Shiner. Uh, maybe, yeah. So yeah. so Elliot uh, Irving Azoff goes there with this guy to make sure that the Steely Dan early, early recordings are there, and they were there in this Pennsylvania facility. They took them. They said, fuck this, man. Oh, wow. We're taking them, Yeah, you know? And, yep. of course, there was a lawsuit between UMG and whatever, but it was settled out of court, apparently.
2: I bet you they had an injunction to take them, too. You know, it's well, you, you can't just yeah. walk yep. into a place and take other, you know, they probably yeah. had a court order and said, you know, we're taking
3: these
0: with us. Yeah. You said films were also destroyed, too? Films
1: and movies, TV shows. Yeah, yep.
0: TV that's, shows. That's just as bad because if anyone who watches Turner Classic Movies sees the wonderful work that they do to restore mm-hmm. these old movies or 4K yeah, DVDs. Really. Can you imagine if God, you know, thank God Apocalypse Now was, that's uh, Zoetrope. So, but that was just recently upgraded to 4K. It's fantastic looking. And if that was in that fire, we'd never be able to do that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, wonder what has happened with uh, with the lawsuits. Has anyone? Have there been settlements? I and mean, that was what two thousand. Yeah, UMG won the lawsuit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yep. Oh man, this, yeah. this just sucks all the way around, man. That's, yeah, but it was won. building
1: six one nine seven. I think it was called. But now there's something that Mark Mark brought up. There's a there's a company called. Let me get this straight. Iron Mountain Atomic Storage Corporation. Mm-hmm. They were. They started in 1951, and obviously you can tell they they stored a lot of government things. But they, yeah. they now, a lot of people, a lot of record companies use them to store masters now. Yeah, and they are safe. They are underground. Wow. They are. That's
0: yep. Cool. It's I, a, um, a,
1: a, atomic storage. There's armed guards. There's Great everything. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Okay.
0: So I deal it's with Iron Mountain at my job, and the rep tells me that first of all. That storage oh. is out in Utah in the salt flats. You literally drive and you go mm-hmm. underground and they have a full town under cool. there. There's a post office. There's food. Yeah. Yeah. It's dry. And Did they have a uh, Starbucks. Did they have a Starbucks. Probably. I imagine. So <laughs> it wow. sounds like a really cool job. But the atomic storage means, if yeah, we have a, hol- uh, a nuclear disaster that stuff to survive.
1: This is how good Iron Mountain is about it. this company Iron Mountain Atomic Storage.
3: <laughs> they their <laughs> staff,
1: their staff there makes digital copies <laughs> of some of these masters. So I mean, they're really going all around, they're taking care of everything, making dig because of what happened at UMG at Universal Studios. They the, the staff at Iron Mountain is making digital copies of these Iron- master tapes.
0: Iron Mountain's very smart cuz I deal with them and they, they like I said the idea mm-hmm. of spreading out the files or or recordings that's to do for us um, Yeah. but yeah so they you know they have that but you know they probably have another facility we don't know about and they're They spreading do they have out. they have
1: they have many facilities but it's in so space. what they do is yeah yeah <laughs> but the what moon. they do is like say if Stephen Wilson right wants yeah. to wants to remix a record they will send, he doesn't have to go to Iron Mountain and get the tapes. They will send Steve Wilson the digital copy
0: with the separate of the masters. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then they will email it to him or whatever, however they do it.
0: It's beautiful because this is why it's a shame that that happened because at this point in technology remixing is the best. You don't have to degrade the old masters. We got yeah. digital Yeah. properly yeah. sent over to that. So yeah, that it's like if they had thought to back that stuff up, we'd be saved.
1: Uh, yeah so and of it course seems some,
2: like, well, at least the, the lesson was learned at this point
1: yeah 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 but some people complain about iron mountain too they said it's so secure you can't even get like some people want to go in there and mm-hmm. like actually use the master tapes like you have to jump through hoops to get you know to get in there and yeah uh, i would think i think there's still some
2: existing government clearance thing. i, mean, I guess once you have that and they, they had a yeah, yeah, point.
1: yeah yeah there's
2: you know there's probably still some shit down there
0: Yeah, Eisenhower years. Yeah. Well, I toured one of their just regular facilities around here. Can't say the location. And um, when you walk in, you've got no cell phones because you're walking down aisles of files. And Mm -hmm. God forbid you see a file with a name that people know about. So we had to turn our phones in. It was like Better Call Saul. Uh Uh-oh, put your phones in the basket.
1: They're just called Iron Mountain, but they're technically Iron Mountain Atomic Storage Corporation. (laughs) (laughs) They're good. They're really good. So yeah, the shame is we're the bomb, buddy. Virtually all buddy <laughs> buddy Holly Masters are gone, incinerated. Yeah, in the list. So anybody who wants to look it up, you go on uh, and look up the Universal Studio fire. You'll be shocked. The other, the other at thing is how I many hit's people home. lost.
0: If you go on Wikipedia, like I'm a Wikipedia junkie, and I'll go, hey, the Eagles. So, you know, you want to find some facts. Almost like every other article of an American artist, at the end it says, "the re- their original masters were destroyed in the Universal Studios fire." Like it's so many at the end, you know.
1: Except when uh, Wikipedia asks you for money, I don't like when they do that, and they tend to do that a lot. You, Lately, you know, uh, yeah, you please don't click past us. Please don't scroll past us. Like, come on, man! <laughs> I'm I have no a sense right of now. guilt. <laughs> <laughs>
2: do you think that uh the carpenter lost his job
3: after
1: <laughs> probably not around. probably in the union as as union protection <laughs> uh, uh. yeah but the, the you know the shame of uh, all that stuff that was lost man yeah. i mean the the list is it's endless it's disgusting the yeah. list of uh what was gone there so yeah, UMG absorbs all these record companies. Therefore, they inherit all the master tapes and they don't even know how to store them properly.
0: Nope. Very few people know how to store masters. You would not believe when I was in production how many people would pop a quarter inch master mm-hmm. in a padded envelope and send it to me through the post office. And I'd have to say, Don't do that. There could be magnetic, you're supposed to put magnetic recording on it. They don't think. Nobody thinks.
2: I've compared I've got I've got some old tapes the time i got i It's some edenville and they were those from the older quarter yeah and they have not been i have not kept them properly i am like I have no expectations not that we're gonna have to remix it so i'm just gonna burn them
1: yeah. well well you I'm know gonna, i'm gonna recreate the universal fire prince <laughs> prince had a nice quote a prince said if you don't own your masters then your master owns you and like Ooh. whoa good one yeah, good quote, yeah. hey yeah. lou
0: you know it's a you know it's an old technique uh when a, when the Tape gets sticky. Do you ever see like quarter inch tape? And it's, you can't play it. It's coming off on the heads. Yeah. You get Ronson uh, lighter fluid.
2: Lighter fluid, yeah.
0: And you soak a... Pit, perfect. Uh, perfect. It should be a tissue, not a paper towel. It takes forever. You go inch by inch and just rub it. I did mm. that many times in the studio. If that okay. doesn't work, you get a convection oven and you bake them. But you got to follow those directions. Really? It's a really? low heat. Yeah. It's all kinds of things. We rescued many masters doing that.
2: And, and then you burn the joint down.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, you it's get like high you, from the Ronson you bust oil the place out. <laughs> But the record company... Oh, the using, li-
2: using lighter fluid to clean something, and then we're talking about fire. That's
1: great. A petroleum byproduct, yeah. Yeah, yeah, By yeah. Anyway, Which Which audio yeah. tapes are, really, right? I, mean, I, had, I had a little cigarette biopic.
0: in my mouth while I was going yeah. it. Was like,
1: yeah. <laughs> the days, all, yeah. The old days, yeah. The recording contracts are all slanted to the record company to favor them. Sure. Oh, sure. You know, so this is because apparently... You make a record for a record company, right? It's a work for hire. So they own those masters. A&M, when they absorbed A&M records, all the masters from the carpenters, mm-hmm. all the masters from Squeeze, all the masters from all these groups were now owned by UMG.
0: So there probably were a lot of British groups that were affected by this as well.
1: So those are works for hire. This is where the re-records come in. Because yeah. now, like you said, Peter Frampton now, he gets pennies, right, from... Uh, yeah, from, from online, the original
2: original recordings, yeah. From
1: streaming, he gets pennies. But So now, if Peter Frampton re-records some of his hits, and you want to use Peter Frampton's song in a commercial or in a movie, well, you use the new version that he recorded. Yeah. He owns it outright and gets all the money for it, as yeah. opposed to UMG getting 90% of it and you can split the 10%. You know, yeah. between whoever,
2: it's it's a horrible business in that way. You know, yeah, there's more horror stories than good stories about how the business operated. Yeah.
1: But the artists like Tom Petty and uh, you know Cheryl Crow and all the artists that have sued UMGs because they do not, they're not protecting their masters properly, and obviously been proven that they're not. Yeah. I mean, UMG has facilities in Pennsylvania. They have a couple of facilities, you know, one in the Midwest, so. This is tragic.
0: This could have happened in a Pennsylvania facility, but maybe they don't have nearly as many masters. They might put the older, certain kinds of genres. Mm -hmm. They they should have spread it out evenly. So then the disaster wouldn't have been so widespread.
1: They bought Geffen Records. They own the masters to Geffen Records. They're all lost. Lost. So I think it's safe
0: to say Don Henley lost his... Oh, God.
2: God. Geffen and Asylum, so that's that's the whole early 70s right there.
1: Never going to remaster Jackson Brown albums. Mm. God, well, uh, uh, Asylum was Warner Brothers, too, so maybe they're safe somewhere. You know, Warner mm. Brothers. uh What wasn't, yeah. Yeah. The, the, well, the problem is the big three. The big three being UMG, Universal Music Group, SME, Sony Music Entertainment, okay. and what was the third one? Who's the third of the big three that own everything, that own all of it?
3: Um, McDonald's. McDonald.
1: It's UMG, Sony, Sony, and Warner. Warner Brothers is the other one. Okay. Oh, Warner Music, you know, Warner Music Entertainment, Music WME, whatever it is. They own everything.
0: So, who owns Apple? Is Sony on Apple?
1: Apple? What they do you did. Mean? They did. Apple Records. Or, or no, Apple. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Apple Records is uh, in existence anymore. They have EMI, don't they, in the, yeah. the UK? Well, I was just say who had control over their recordings. Is there like a parent? Company? I think I think they they control it, but uh, okay, Paul got it. Yeah. But they don't own the copyrights though. Sony owns the copyrights, right? The, the Sony the owns the Cowboy? copyrights. The Beatles songs.
2: So they bought it from Michael Jackson, or did that change hands after? So he was
1: partnered with Sony because Michael Jackson was, you know, he was connected with Sony Records oh. or Sony. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. The Apple, the parent company of Apple Records, is Apple Corps
1: yeah but course, sony i right. think sony controls the copyrights okay. to those Beatles songs okay. so in other words if you hear uh, like revolution selling sneakers they can't stop it
3: mm.
1: i wonder if
2: apple still has director uh directorship and stuff like that neil aspinall was the long time
1: director of, of uh of apple but if you don't control the copyrights you can't do anything about it yeah like it's like, actually it...
0: It's owned by Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, the widow of John Lennon, and the estate of George Harrison. Apple Corps.
1: Yeah. Okay. Hmm. So that they yeah they own they own they actually uh control the recordings and all that stuff, but the copyrights I don't think they own them. Paul McCartney was going to try and buy them back years and he had them obviously he had the money for it you know I know but, I know yeah, I mean he had more money
2: when Michael Jackson was bidding for it. didn't. I mean, what was his advisement? Who advised him just to not do it? Yeah, was it just the dollar value, and he knew he'd get it back one
0: day, or did he or not think down. that Michael Jackson would do it? He might have said, "No, he's not going to go
1: for that."
2: He, yeah, he, but he, he, said was he, also, did, he said he did. He felt betrayed by his friend.
1: Yeah, but Michael but Jackson also bit, had an end because he was connected with Sony.
2: Yeah, but Paul's also a bit of a hypocrite because he bought Buddy Holly's catalog and sold it to Martha Stewart. You know, so
1: really, he didn't want the.
2: Yeah, you not know, really. Want, he didn't want the Beatles to be promoted or exploited commercially like that, but he did it with Buddy Holly's catalog. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah.
0: So Martha Stewart, now she has the publishing rights?
2: No, I think he leased it or whatever. They, they use it for her um, every day, every day. Martha Stewart's every day living, you Yeah. Know, yeah yeah. So yeah. they licensed Oh, she got it permission.
1: Somehow. She got licensed permission yeah. to use that. Yeah. but right. meaning Paul didn't
2: have a conflict with using, I mean, this is Buddy. Right, Buddy but Buddy she Holly, doesn't yeah.
1: Martha Stewart doesn't own Buddy Holly uh, copyright. No, 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 no.
2: But but Paul can't remaster it because they were destroyed they, in the They Universal they were fire.
1: destroyed. The masters are gone. God. Gone and there there was somebody like you, you know you would like like gene clark and buddy holly like yeah, uh, you could i would like to hear some remasters of yeah, these. You know, these things are from the 1950s give them new you life know, give them new clarity
2: you know some of the, some gene clark stuff i've I've seen more oddball stuff in the last couple of years than i did when i first started listening to it, early stuff i know there's only early stuff there's no late stuff from him um but, but think like about, I, I some live footage but i don't know if that just leaked out from you know other yeah. tapes and stuff but you know like those the gosden brothers right you know dillard and clark you can't go back yeah. to that now yeah. that you have to go back to dillard and clark because it's fucking perfect
1: they lost all master <laughs> tapes from all these 45 rpms too from all these you mm. know all, so much was lost yeah. and they'll never be able to remix them never
0: i'm an oral recording from the 1940s it's not about remixing it's about just enhancing the sound and some of these things are, could be, real, like maybe Chuck Berry, there are relatively good copies, but yeah, you'll never be able to put them in surround. Yeah, but even
1: little things yeah. like, uh, you know, like um, when I was a kid, I always liked that bubblegum song. Yummy, 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 I gotta love it, right? Now, that yeah. was that was in mono on the radio. Now, of course, I bought a CD years later, but it's in stereo, Yeah, and it's not right. I'd rather hear it in mono. I'll never be able to hear it in mono again, unless <laughs> it exists out there somewhere, and I stumble across it in a record shop. That's yeah. it
2: yeah uh, old, old radio station tapes you know i hear casey yeah. Kasem's playback from 1960 you know in 1972 it might exist in those kind of forms yeah yeah yep yeah and then to record on mono and make it sound full you know it's just amazing recording technique just to have all those instruments coming out of yeah
1: bo diddley little walker all gone hmm. gone you're killing, you're killing yeah. us perry you keep saying yeah.
0: these names come on stop
1: yeah, yeah well like i said look it up I, and you'll see the I, list I, it's
2: incredible yeah. I stopped at the T's. I'm like, <laughs> Warren Zevon's probably in there. Who knows? Whatever. REM
1: <laughs> lost some, but not uh, uh, not not everything because uh, they were on Warner Brothers. They, they went think, to Warner right? Brothers. Yeah.
2: Some, so the IRS years are, are gone. Maybe like that. I
1: don't know. Did UMG Possibly. absorb IRS records? Maybe right. I don't know. Unless uh, it was they, something from a movie or something, I don't know. Mergers and acquisition.
0: What did anybody see? Kansas on there? That would because that's a band that could be remixed. Uh,
1: hmm. well th- there's the thing a lot of these bands could be remixed the case in point of that it works is giles martin remixing these beetle records some of the remixes are unbelievably great yeah
3: yeah
1: and, uh,
2: if you go back to like you know the the circumstances which they were recorded you know go back 50 years Hey, yeah, you can change some things you know I, you might hear like some things that the bass is way too loud. You know, it didn't seem so at the time. Yeah,
1: well, let's bring and, the vocal up a little bit, Larry. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Now Aria, oh, no, actually,
2: it was Warner Brothers because REM remixed. Well, they did a lot of remixes since Yeah, then, yeah. They remixed Monster, which was a good idea because they brought the vocals up, which right, was they something them re- from really,
1: the master tapes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yep. Yeah,
1: yeah. What a shame! Oh, so, I, like I said, I'm, they ain't that a shame. The guy in charge of the facility. Who's been telling them for years? You have to make digital copies of it. They only they copied was twelve thousand titles. Yeah, that they, was it. it
0: costs money. They didn't care. Amal yeah. Jamal's masters. I love Amal Jamal. Oh,
1: gee, Chess <laughs> Records,
0: Impulse Records,
1: Chess Records, the whole catalog gone, okay. gone.
2: Uh, I wonder who was on Impulse. You know these little smaller. Impulse was a like, um, yeah
0: jazz label, very okay. good jazz label.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lionel Hampton. Uh, gone. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I feel I feel sad now. And, and it might sound silly, like, you know, Al Jolson, you know, Bing Crosby, Louis no, Armstrong, all, but... but This is history, man. Yeah, yeah. it's history, yeah. I mean, it, you know, if these things are from the 1940s, imagine with the remixes you could have had, the clarity yeah, that it could, clarity. could have come to it, right?
2: Now, yeah. I, I wonder, because I'm not a, like that much of a technician, but, you know, those big band recordings, there weren't a thousand microphones. You know, a lot of these things have some overheads, they were right, right they weren't so much you know so i want to to remix that stuff knowing i mean how can they separate it you know how what can they do with the they end- were limited. they you know, can they limited limited find a way
1: thing. yeah
0: well the thing is also getting rid of we we've, we've come so far in uh, noise reduction like yeah. it used to be it sounded like a whoa, well, well, you know with a noise gate well they do a yeah, f- yep. great job nowadays so you know they, you don't want to change it too much but you're right like an old gene Krupa recording there are things that could be done to running it through taking that original master tape and running it through new equipment just clarifies mm-hmm. it a little better
2: Clearing up, yep. re- reducing some noise yep. and stuff like yeah, that yeah yeah because i mean and a lot of those r- recordings um if you listen to the um the 40s junction on nxm these musicians are hot the recordings are great you know if you if you listen to it as it is yeah how, how they were recorded because you know just you can hear what's going on you can hear the upright bass but um yeah you know so they got some really good raw material to work with just making it sound you know it doesn't have to sound like a digital recording you know either that's not what you want when i think of that music i think of lower fidelity um but it's but but
1: the multi-check masters masters are are a one-of-a-kind archive yeah one of a kind and they're gone. oh man you know what a shame thanks for bringing us down perry thanks a lot well, yeah, yeah, well, you guys I'm brought it up go. last I'm, I'm, week, so you guys, you know, <laughs> kicked it in gear. Sorry, fellas. Oh, okay. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, record right. digitally, pal. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wait, we have to there We have go, to yeah.
0: do an apology to an unnamed person because we mentioned Steve Wilson again. So sorry. I am, mentioned R.E.M., <laughs> so sorry.
1: Um, <laughs> well, that was in the context of uh, Universal Studio Fire in 2008. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah some guy was uh you know using a blowtorch to heat asphalt shingles and uh don't walk away <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep
2: uh, that probably got lost too you never know it was an english group they were american
1: yeah. probably gone. Yeah. probably got lost as they're coming to take me away the master for that is probably gone but uh, the, oh well <laughs> the crazy i like to re-
2: i'd like to remaster they're coming to take me away yeah not gonna happen <laughs> what do you think mark yeah
0: absolutely Not gonna a happen full surround sound <laughs> remix five was probably 1.
1: absorbed by umg we could we could relive the terror of our childhood
0: do do you think that the crazy world of Arthur Brown's fire was in there? Oh.
2: yeah I bet you it was
0: and who played drums on it who Carl? Carl? Wait, wait, no, no. Wait,
2: we, we might have a bone of contention I heard Carl Palmer was in the video but didn't play on the song oh maybe I thought he played on I thought he played on the song myself but i, I okay didn't. I might be wrong, but I thought I read that recently because I listened to that song. Uh, I love that song, by the way. It it almost sounds like Zappa. Yeah. But better. better.
0: I'll tell you right now if I can get to it. I got the
2: inside joke on this one. They're going to burn. They're going to (laughs) burn. They're going to burn. Oh, God, fire. Lou, you're right. You're right. God, we got a theme going.
0: The drums were played by Draken Theaker. You're right.
1: Sure. Who is he? Romanian? I'm getting real. Sounds like a stage name if you ask me. He's slept
2: in a box of dirt. It could have been like Ginger at night.
0: Could have been Ginger Baker going under one of those funny names. We don't know.
1: Yeah. It was but Ginger Mitch Baker. Mitchell. Right? I know. Mitch. Why don't you, do you cheer things up, Lou, with a one hit wonder or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is one of those sad
2: songs from the nineteen seventies. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. You wanna jump no, off a tower or something? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Dust it's in me. the wind.
2: No, it's not. And I, I found this, there was something we were talking about last week, and uh-huh. I, I, did, I did the rabbit hole, and I forgot what the rabbit hole was, but it led me to a song I thought I didn't know it was a one-hit wonder. And um, but ever hear a band called the Standells?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: No. All right, the song D- "Dirty Water." Oh yeah. You don't have to yeah. play. Bam, bam, bam,
3: bam, bam. It's a great. Oh rhythm. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Austin, um, you're my home. It's about the River Charles. Yeah. Um. That was, I think that was their only hit to make the top 40. So that makes it a hit. I think that makes it a one hit wonder for me. Can you give us a sample you, of it? Um, yeah, I was wondering about that because it's a great just, riff by now. It, it really, um, really is. Um, I, I just want get, to get rid of some uh,
1: ads. For I got it here if you want me to play. Water. It. Yeah. I can got it queued up already.
2: I'm getting there. Okay. It, uh, it's interesting, who wrote it? I'm
1: gonna tell you story. Tambourine. I'm
3: going to tell you about my No cowbells. No, tell you big
1: Love that dirty water. Uh, da, da, da. What about that song? Uh, who wrote it? and uh, Where are uh, they from? And.
2: Uh... Uh, they were—I guess they were from the Boston area. Um, that song is about there. Or there could be California, but that song wasn't written by them. Um, but that was a—it was, it was a big hit, 1966, uh, eleven on Billboard, eight cash mm-hmm. box number one from Record World. It was written by a guy named Ed Cobb. Uh, he was a, a producer, and uh, he was a producer songwriter. He was in the uh, the Four Preps, I think, that vocal group, which was probably an influence on the young Brian Wilson. You know, those kind of clean harmonies, like mm-hmm. the four freshmen type stuff. The four preps, I mean, only to be rivaled by the five neat guys. Um, <laughs> by Canadian, Canadian, Canadian singing the, group, superstars, Grammy winners, <laughs> Juno Award winners, uh, the whole thing. Yeah, um, the Royal Canadian Mountie Award. Um, but uh, Ed Cobb, besides being a producer, his claim to fame is he wrote a sm- a song that became a smash in the '80s. He wrote "Tainted Love." Wow. Uh wow. early in the early, yeah, I didn't know this in the early sixties by someone named Gloria Jones. She recorded it in nineteen sixty four. Yeah. Didn't have What's a hit she with it. On it didn't, Motown? I think so, yeah. It yeah. didn't yep. chart. I think she maybe she had other hits, I'm sure she did. Um, but uh Soft Cell did it and it, it was a she that was a number one right, in right. many countries. They that.
1: did sort of an electronic version of it, yeah.
2: Yeah, not unlike the band that covered the Burt Bacharach song, Something There to Remind Me. I forgot the name of the band. Yeah, yeah. John Johnny hates jazz or something like that. Yep. Or no, that wasn't it. Anyway. Um, but the Stendells, you know, they, uh, the different musicians in the band, um, the guy Larry Tamblin, that was his name. He was a keyboard mm-hmm. uh, songwriter. Um, he is an, he's from an acting family. His, there's an actress daughter named Amber Tamblin. Uh, she's a current actress. She's an, I don't know where she's been in. Uh, his brother was Russ Tamblin, the actor who played uh, Riff, the gang leader of the Jets in West Side Story.
1: In, in his brother really in the movie yeah, his brother
2: in the movie his brother he also he was in Peyton place where he's nominated for an oscar um but and there's another guy they were, they were kind of i guess they were. From, i think they were from california because there's some showbiz connections but the mm-hmm. vocalist was a guy named uh dick dodd who was a former um musketeer but he sang that song he sang dirty water He was a drummer too and you know well, all their singles he sang but that was the only one that uh the chart but they're on an episode of the monsters i saw i looked at the clip it's historical. It's from '65, so it was before "Dirty Water" came out. Um, the episode's called "Far Out Monsters," where they're all sitting in the living room. And I forgot—just uh, I haven't seen anything that show in years. The set—they play so that song. Big. No, no, this—it was a year before that song came out. But the set of the monsters was great. It's huge, and Grandpa, the, the whole cast. What a funny show that was.
0: Grandpa. But, um,
2: yeah, but y- y- young Eddie comes in with no Eddie, Eddie. Yeah, and he goes, "Can I play my latest song in the phonograph?" So he puts his thing on, turns it around. It's the Stendells, and everyone's horrified. I mean, like, it's rock and roll. It's 1965. They're horrified by the sound coming <laughs> out of mm-hmm. young Eddie's phonograph. Grandpa has smoke coming out of his ears. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, they played two songs. Uh, one was called, it was called Come On and Ringo. This is right after the Beatles hit. It was this kind of Beatles song, but they also did I Want to Hold Your Hand. Um, mm. this, their version of it, it was pretty cool. Um, just, that was, you know, that, that time of year, you know, because you know, rock was, you know, especially with the, the British invasion, you know, and, and the youth movement in the early '60s. Rock was, you know, it was getting past that rebellious period of the '50s, where it was, you know, it was, it was dirty. Some of it still was, but it was actually becoming more acceptable mainstream. So you had the the Dillards were on Andy Griffith and all. Remember the bed bugs on F Troop?
1: No. And the, R- the, the, R- 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 and after there was Battery, a, there was that was yeah, a, they, they, yeah.
2: <laughs> they had this this mod band in in, in the middle of the Civil War or whatever or the uh, the Indian Wars whatever <laughs> they were called the Bed Bugs and someone there's a uh, there's a famous person in that we should look that up there's a famous person musician in the Bed Bugs like some guy by, by one of the Jefferson Airplane might have been Paul Kantner or something really I but remember um, some
1: group the Seeds were on a the TV Seeds. show and they played you're pushing too hard they were on, they were too- on the Mothers-in-Law
2: yeah the Mothers-in-Law yeah. that's another great song though the seeds that's part of that whole mid to late 60s psychedelic -er. like psychedelic
1: garage or whatever yeah yeah Yeah.
2: garage psychedelic garage man it doesn't get any better than that doesn't get any better um yeah so that was just that was their their one hit and stuff like that but you know there's a little show business tentacle but if the the monsters episode it was really funny you know
1: they were good Mm they're good they're called the standells
2: the standells and And now that song dirty water because of boston it's that's played at all the sporting events. I think the Red Sox have used it. Um, I'm yeah. sure our friends, Scott McLean and Jack Calabresi of the music, um, the uh, milk crates and turntables podcast uh, are well aware. That's like, might be a national anthem for them. They probably spoke about it on their own podcast.
0: And <laughs> after that, <clears throat> Liverpool, my team, Liverpool football club started right. playing the song because they're owned by Fenway sports group. Oh, okay. So, wow. Yeah. Well, wow.
2: so I, it, whether, um, whether Ed Cobb is still alive or not, if he retains some of the rights to that, that's, that's going in perpetuity for a long time. Yeah, And it's a great song. Now, they were considered, um, you think know, it's something with that early 60s garage rock, not unlike them with Van Morrison and all that other stuff. You know, yeah, what, a great, yeah. what a great time. Um, but they were considered almost like a punk band. Um, they, were, they were influenced, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols claimed to yeah, yeah. have them as an influence. So yeah, man, it was, it was dirty. I like I like dirty. Yeah. And American. Dirty side of the curb. And American, yeah.
0: By the way, uh, Lowell George was in The Bed Bugs.
2: That was Lowell George. Okay. Yeah. That was Lowell yeah. George,
1: really? Yeah. And mm-hmm. what band was he in that was famous? The Little, little Feet. Little,
2: little Feet. Yeah. Stinky Feet. Fat Man in the Bathtub.
0: That's me. Come on. Don't
1: pick on <laughs> hey. hey. Mark, have you got a subject you want to throw in you're there? You're not into the hard stuff, Mark.
0: Uh, subject? Yeah, math. Can someone help me with my math homework?
1: Um, well, you're asking the wrong person. I'm, so, uh, I'm a rock drummer. I can count to four. Two plus two is twenty-two. <laughs> I'm a guitarist, Lou. I can count to six, so I
0: got here
2: you. For beat. You, you got me beat. Play um, those no. odd time signatures.
0: Yeah, I'm a proggy. Well, Friday night, Friday <laughs> I can do night. some. I can do some five four. Oh, so you got me beat. Can you do 2-15-16th? Ah, oh, then get out of here. Um, <laughs> Friday night, uh, the first of two tribute concerts to Taylor Hawkins, who was the drummer of Foo Fighters, who died mm-hmm. a while back and. He was very loved by the music industry, by a lot of musicians. So the first concert was in England on Friday. A short and while
1: it, back. It really?
0: wasn't that yeah. long ago. A yeah. couple days. And um, it had a lot of highlights. Now, I haven't watched it yet, had what? so I'm not going to say I watch it, but I am. Mean, it's, it's on stream. It's on Paramount. I'll be right back. Paramount. It. You can watch it. Had, it had... Um,
2: He's back. It, what did it have, YouTube. Mark? So anyway, Mark, Mark, we, 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 we lost you there when we were introducing who played.
0: Oh, okay. Can you hear me now?
2: Yes,
0: we can. Bega. Okay. So the concert opened with Liam Gallagher. Now he played with the Foo Fighters. He did Rock and Roll Star and Live Forever. It's a great way to open a show. This is the one that got me. Lyle Rogers, Omar Hakim, with Josh Holm, the singer from... Oh, God. Now I'm... I'm... Queens of the New Stone Age. He wait, came
1: wait. Out... Let me cut in. When you said... So it's that, that bird song, So You Wanna Be a Rock and Roll Star? Just is that the song?
0: No. Josh Holm?
1: No, no, no. You, you said you said that uh Liam Liam Gallagher No,
0: uh Oasis, that song Rock and Roll Star. Oh, you I'm hear not, that? yeah, yeah. No, I'm, i Yeah, I may did...
1: have. I just didn't know that. that's
0: uh Yeah, he did two Oasis yeah. songs, you know. Oh, okay. two good ones. At least he didn't do the like the hits, you know. Um but this this got me Josh Holm from Queens of the New Stone Age, who was kinda mm-hmm. like a stoner rock thing. He came out with Nile Rodgers and Omar Hakim, and they sang Let's Dance. I got to see that. Huh. Then he left the stage. Another singer came on, and they did Modern Love. That's just kind of cool. Like I, I, Omar Hakim's a fantastic drummer.
1: He's a great oh, yeah. drummer, um, yeah. yeah. Yes, he is.
0: Another highlight, Wolfgang Van Halen with the singer from The Darkness. I don't know if any of you guys know that band. They're kind of like a throwback yeah. to 80s metal,
1: whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He
0: came out, and he did On Fire and Hot for Teacher. And mind you, Foo Fighters are backing him up. And I he, saw he, that
1: Dave Grohl was on bass.
0: Yeah. yeah. And even though he doesn't show it normally, he could play just like his dad from what I heard. He was just fantastic. Mm. Um, he's
2: not just a bass player.
0: Yeah. He's yeah, he's the president. Um, pretenders, while Chrissy Hind and Martin Chambers came out, there's another surprise. Yeah. They played two songs, Precious and Tattooed Love Boys, but mm. Martin Chambers. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And what a they've, great, they've great Yeah, great
2: yeah. They, and Dave role played b- bass on that.
0: Yeah. Oh,
1: cool. So was he, it Morton was kind Chambers? Of like re- was Martin Chambers behind a big barrier? I don't know. Well, <laughs> sometimes they tend to put him behind this big fiberglass barrier <laughs> to contain him. <laughs> well, I, I don't is, know. Maybe it's just for sound. I don't know. Well,
0: back back in the day, if you look at, like the pictures of him on the old albums, he had these great mutton chops. He did. He's
1: like awesome. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. He he also he sang some leads on some Pretenders songs. Really? He has a good voice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yep. How does Tattooed Love Boys go? I can't. I'm not going to even try to say it, but I yeah. know it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I could cue it up, but we might, you know, Pretenders are pretty good. It's a fast
1: number. It's almost like a punk punk number, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so it, all these songs wow. that these people are coming out, they're playing cool songs. They're not just, you know. It, uh,
2: wasn't, it wasn't just like, you know, not playing Foo Fighters catalog. They're playing yeah. other stuff, you know, so. Now yep. was 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 there like a fundraiser? There was no fundraising. There was this, this is there for was. charity,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. It, so it? okay, yeah, it was to uh, I don't know the foundation, but um, you know, we'll hear about it when they do the LA show. Yeah. Another one, uh, Brian Johnson and Lars Ulrich came out and they did "Back in Black" and "Let There Be Rock." Yeah, wow, kind of cool.
2: Brian Johnson. He can, he, I, I thought he was not doing any kind of stage work because his hearing was well, done. He, so right
0: he, right he was up. he
2: played well. Great.
0: He, he gets right up on the mic and he goes,
1: yeah. Ah. That's what he does, you know. But oh, yeah. No, yeah, he's, right. he's singing again. Well, he probably can't go on a world tour, but he can do a show right. every now and yeah. again, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's a surprise. Stuart Copeland came out, played the wow. drums. Foo Fighters were on the musicians. Mm-hmm. They played Next to You, and everything. every little thing she does is magic.
1: Wow. That's wow. cool. Oh, wow. And yeah. who wow. sang those songs? Um,
0: Roll sang Next to You. Mm-hmm. Then every little thing she does is magic. Was this vocalist that sang uh, "Modern Love"? It's it's Gaz Coombs from a group called Supergrass. I guess we know where that's gone. Mm-hmm. I never heard of them. Huh. Another big surprise: James Gang, the original James Gang—Joe Walsh, Dale Peters, wow. and Jim Fox—came out. They played "Walk Away," "The Bomber," and "Funk 49. That must have brought the house down. Oh
2: wow. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Marco, who are the other who are the other two guys in um, James Gang?
0: Tommy Bolin was on uh, guitar after Joe Walsh left.
2: Okay, and no, kid, who, who played that night on the concert?
0: Oh, it was Dale Peters and Jim Fox. Those are the original guys that were oh, with Joe okay. Walsh with the original okay. band. And First said, time okay. they've played together. Yeah. Joe Walsh was oh, wow. there, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and he sang He sang lead on those? Yep, yep. So that, sure. the,
0: I don't believe the Foo Fighters had anything to do with that. Getty and Alex came out. Getty Lee and Alex Lyson. Wow. Yes. Yeah. With Dave, fresh from the South Park concert. Yeah. Uh, with Dave Grohl on drums, they played the 2112 Overture and Working Man.
1: Then Dave, Dave Grohl, Grohl probably had a blast doing that, man. It's probably oh, one yeah. of his lifelong dreams. Oh, yep. oh, yeah. Yeah. Then Dave Grohl
0: handed the drums over to Omar Hakim and they played YYZ. But Grohl admitted he's not going to. be I got to see well. that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I got to see. No, he, he he couldn't play well, I think.
0: Yeah. No, twirl now. No, yeah.
2: <laughs> Dave Grohl, he, he he's a great drummer. He's he's a, a straight-ahead rock and roll drummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, going Nirvana, obviously. But Omar Hakim, I, I got to
1: see that.
0: Yeah, see. Omar Hakim, when he was with Sting, he played stuff that I've never seen another drummer yeah. do. He's just fantastic. I, I mean, I, I saw. saw the, I
1: saw Sting. Yeah, go ahead, Lou. Yeah, I, I saw the
2: Bring on the Night movie um, when yeah. the movie came out, and there was one part I'm like. My God! I mean, the guy—he just did like eight arms and legs. One that was like the, um,
0: the song "I Burn for You," and at the end, he just gets yes. stick on. Yeah, yeah. Way that's, back that's, when, that's, when I
1: saw Sting that's, that's, and, Dar- and Omar Hakim was the drummer, wow. and Daryl Jones was the bass player. <clears throat> these two guys, like, whoa! I mean, you, you right yeah. away you notice like there's something special going on with these two guys.
2: Yeah, Daryl Jones has gone on the great things, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Omar Hakim—I mean, he 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 became the session guy deluxe um, peter gabriel so brothers in arms dire straits he's on that record yeah really
1: Um, yeah yeah yeah. he worked with peter gabriel
2: oh yeah he's on well actually so did actually um he's on so so stewart copeland on the song big time big time that's stewart copeland on drums. you're kidding that's a great song that's a great song i think that's stewart on red rain too i think
1: wow those are big those are big big numbers Yeah. yeah yeah
2: Yeah, I, I have such. I have a lot of respect for Coldplay. You know, so, yeah, uh,
1: Peter Gabriel his, too. I have a lot of respect. Oh
2: yeah, him. oh sure, yeah. I, I, cause I, I like his solo stuff was great. Genesis, okay. I mean, I liked it, but you know. Did you I see think when when, uh,
1: out, when Peter Gabriel was nominated into the was um, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And who's the dude from uh, that group? They're English. They're very boring. His Coldplay. It, Coldplay. What's that guy's name? I knew it, name? I knew it. What's that <laughs> no, guy's cold. name? Well, he was taking jabs at Phil Collins. So he was doing a little speech before they brought um, Peter Gabriel up. And he goes, Well, when Peter Gabriel goes into the studio, Uh, you know, yeah. So obviously you knew that was a jab right there at Phil Collins.
0: That's okay. Chris Martin got his heart broken. (laughs)
3: Hey,
0: Chris Martin got his heart broken by Gwyneth. So he got
1: his.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, that's what you get for dating an ice queen who you can't look at. He couldn't probably make eye contact with her. And you name your children
1: children after fruit,
2: (laughs) (laughs) or record companies, (laughs) or
0: computers. (laughs) So moving on, the biggest, like the 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 guys that got the most time of the night was Brian May and Roger Taylor. They came out. Wow! And with Foo Fighters, of course. What band were they in? Uh, King. What's up King cool. All right, let's do this right because we are an educational podcast. For this music. is true. I'm, Brian I'm May and Roger Taylor, the guitar player and the drummer from this band Queen, came out. They played "We Will Rock You" with vocals by the Struts lead vocalist Luke Spiller. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know who the Struts are. They're like one of the guardians of rock and roll. They're still, you know, like there's very few real mm-hmm. rock bands out there. Mm-hmm. Then Taylor. Yeah. T- Roger Taylor, the drummer from Queen, Queen gave his drummer. drums over to his son, Rufus, who wow. is a member of The Darkness. And right. then they played I'm in Love with My Car, and Roger just sang vocals. Written by
1: the that. drummer, Roger Taylor, yeah. Yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, right. great song.
0: Right. Then they did it Under Pressure, and Roger split the lead vocals with Justin Hawkins, The Darkness. And, you know, I'm not crazy about Justin Hawkins, but it's cool. But this is what I want to say. They did Somebody to Love with a good vocalist I never heard of. His name is Sam Ryder. He's like a TikTok phenomenon. Mm. But mm. if they picked him to sing that, it's a very soulful song. It's, it had to have been good because that's a
1: great song. So if he's a TikTok phenomenon, it means he has a one-minute video. Yeah. he got a yeah. lot of hits, right?
0: <laughs> and then if Queen tore again, he might be the vocalist Who knows? you know. Mm. Um, you know who should have been in Queen? Um
2: no. Paul Rogers. Well, he was. Yeah, know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> George he, Michael. George Michael would have been good. George would have
1: been. He would have been. Yeah. Did, did, yeah.
2: He ha- did he have the range, the vocal range to do that?
0: Yeah, because you know what? Paul Rogers didn't have Freddie's range, but they tailored no, no. the music to him. And yeah. it sounded great. I have a yeah. bunch of I, live recordings. I,
2: I, I was surprised when I saw some YouTube videos. That said it really wasn't bad. No. Mean, Paul Rogers is a great singer. He you is. Know, he is. You like bad company, you like bad company, whatever, you know. I and don't I know how like old the concertors. guy is, but you know what? He's he's still got the pipes. Yeah, I am gonna say sixty
0: nine. Yeah, wow, probably about that. Yeah, and um,
2: Simon Kirk, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Stiff arm>. <laughs> and <laughs> and when they played with him, good drummer, they would do like free songs. They would do Paul Rogers stuff too. They were this is good, good, good time. Yeah. Well, she never quit, but but yeah. this is what gets me. The end of it was Brian May sat down, the guitar player from Queen, sat down on the edge of the stage and played love of my life do you know that song it's a very no. quiet song yeah. it's a beautiful beautiful song he played it on his acoustic and he he didn't sing he had the whole crowd sing and uh wow. it, check it out love of my life from queen it's it's a fantastic
1: song i always like one of his songs uh i don't know what record it's on it's called 39 yeah. Yeah. yeah that was always a nice song i always in the that. land that our grandfathers yeah. knew like a folk little folk song yeah. or something yeah it's actually and, and a, uh, a good vocal too yeah,
2: good yeah vocal. i mean they were all great singers roger taylor's the guy singing those operatic oh, don't
1: high don't harmonies don't hear them call yeah. all your many years mm. we- yeah great yeah, yeah.
0: It. it's yeah. a uh, science fiction song and this is uh,
1: yeah and i'm not a queen fan so you, you know i mean i like a couple of select tracks but i always liked 39 by yeah. and that yeah. was written by uh by him yep the guitar yep. player yep
0: yep so then the end of the show was, you know, Foo Fighters came out and there's a lot of stories about the drama, the drama you know, the mm-hmm. dramatic moments of that set. They said that Dave Grohl had trouble singing the first song. He started to yeah. cry. But um, Paul McCartney and Chrissy Hine came out, joined the Foo Fighters with our, with Omar Hakim on drums again. And they played Oh, Darling. Huh. Then wow. uh, they did Helter Skelter and Paul McCartney just sang that solo. So that's that's a and technically nobody knew Paul McCartney was going to be there. But they said if you were outside the stadium, you heard them sound checking Helter Skelter. So everybody knew wow, you could have just guessed that he would show up. You know,
2: so he came out at the age of 80 and sang Helter Skelter. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. That's great. I'd like to yeah. see yeah. him with uh,
0: Chrissy doing. Oh, darling. That's I'm going to yeah. check this all show yeah. out.
2: Cool.
1: Yeah. Well, darling, that's a 50s rock and roll number. Yeah, absolutely. that's what it is.
2: Right. Yep. Yeah. That chord progression. I saw a, uh, a YouTube video. It was the Shane Hawkins. That's Taylor's son. Really? Um, playing, playing. There goes my hero. Hmm. Um, I don't know how old he is. The kid's good. He's, he's the chip off the old block. I, I think it's from the show. I mean, because I YouTube, you know, the tribute to Taylor Hawkins. He's not a whole lot right now. Um, but I did see that, and I'd say he's about fourteen. You know, he's, uh, he looks young. You know, but. Um, but the kid was, kid was killing it. I mean, really, really doing it. I mean, I was thinking he could play, he could take it. I mean, if he played that way, I heard that he could maybe take his father's place, you know, as he gets his education.
3: First. Yeah.
1: Well, I um, remember hearing but, there was discussion about like, you know, uh, the the, 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 beetle kids, right. Like, uh, who's the, uh, Sean Lennon yeah. and Paul's kid, James,
2: and, uh, yeah, and Julian and, and uh, th- no, and, the, and Danny.
1: The, Ringo has a drummer son, right? Yeah.
2: He, he's already famous. Ringo's, Ringo's kid did it, did it better than all the other kids. I mean, he's he famous on he right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's playing with a who, you know?
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Great drummer.
2: Uh, D- uh, Danny Harrison does does music.
1: Danny I Harrison know. was the other guy. So there was some talk about Danny Harrison, Sean Lennon, and you know James McCartney getting a little group together. But uh, uh, what about Julian? Well, he he was too old, I think. You know, he was. Uh, you know, these were yeah. like the younger kids. You know, Danny Harrison and Sean right, Lennon probably about the same age.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, Sean Lennon was seventy. Yeah, I guess
1: so. You're right. Yeah. And James Jordan's McCartney. Quite, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. James looks ten years just older. Like
1: his father, man. James he does? does. Yeah. 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 The, the scary thing is Danny Harrison. That guy's like, That's wow. Eerie. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at you know young George Harrison pictures, like this is him, man. It's reincarnation. Yeah. Maybe that, it's true. You know, maybe he'll maybe like, it's stuff true. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it would be George, wouldn't it? yeah um it's funny because at the concert for george when paul comes out at the end does the ukulele stuff and the ending there it was just absolutely beautiful you know when he comes out he's uh, you can tell he's choked yeah because you know when paul goes this is for our beautiful friend he starts playing something whatever and but paul mentions he goes looking at danny he goes it's like looking at young george from the early days you know he like said young, young he says, it looks
1: like we all got old and we uh, all got old yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> um uh, what, a, what a great that, that's a whole other i've been watching some of those old videos too the concert yeah george, you know, the tribute but, to george yeah amazing amazing yeah, we can
1: talk about that one day right we did more yeah. cowbell right we got a lot of uh we got to do a but,
2: bubblegum but, show yeah i mean it's funny when we talked about concert movies earlier on in our our tenure on, on our AM, on AM AM radio days. Yeah. we really should uh mm. you know we, we've been talking about that and we're ever short on material you know but, um, you know, that's a movie, uh, you could talk about that whole concert by itself, because it's not just rock and roll, but there's the whole yeah. beginning with Rabbi Shankar's daughter, yeah. and the Indian well, segment,
0: well, Lou, Monty I, Python. I tell you, uh, the concert for George, I didn't see the whole thing, but what I, I saw part of it, and it was set up like a church service. I remember there was one part where Eric Clapton played something, then he sat in a chair like the pastor would do. I yeah. remember it's like he's off to Trump. the side, just sitting like well, this he was, while somebody he, else. He
1: pretty much organized the whole thing. Yeah, he and, did. really. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it, it looked like a really intense, like a deep setup, like the whole thing. I got to
1: watch wow. it. So this tribute to Taylor Hawkins, Mark. Um, yeah. So what was it? What was it for? Was what cause was it raising money for? It's a, sure it's yet.
0: a, it's a cancer. Something about cancer. I, I don't know. I'll get the specifics next week. Yeah. Uh, but if you were watching on YouTube, you could donate and they raised a, a lot of money. What amazed me, though, was um, how many people from rock and roll came out for this. It's not that. Yeah. yeah, And, and we all know Taylor was a great drummer. It's not that they were just in of Taylor. It's just that he respected the his roots, like the, the musicians. He respected everybody mm-hmm. that band in general. Foo Fighters love them or hate them. A lot of people hate them. They are very respectful of the pioneers of rock and oh, roll. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Especially I, Taylor Hawkins.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if you look at every musical genre has an ambassador. R&B, there's an ambassador. What I mean is, like, mm-hmm. you could have a rock and roll award show. There'll be that same R&B person, that same country yeah, person. Yeah. Dave Grohl is like, become the ambassador for rock and roll. You'll see him at mm-hmm. the well, AMC Awards. Well, Lou had said Awards. a while
1: back that he's the ambassador of, uh, yeah. he's the new yeah. ambassador of rock and roll. Yeah. yeah.
0: And he's my age. Go figure. Yeah. You know, yeah but I saw
1: so, where did um, this concert take what, place in the UK?
0: Yeah, Lewis was yeah. going to say something.
2: He was in Asheville a couple of years ago. Dave Grohl. Really? So I think just hanging out. Or and um, a guy I worked with had his daughter downtown, and he's walking down the street, and Dave Grohl's right there. I looks at his daughter and goes, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, Apparently, he's just a super nice guy, just a real, mm-hmm. real positive guy. I heard actually I heard, yesterday I heard an NPR interview with him talking about the the Nirvana days. I heard that. Did you? And I know it's funny, though. At one point, you know, like they said, you know, they, they got successful. Everyone loved them. But apparently they said they had a record company meeting early on and someone, well, the record head or whoever it was said to Kurt Cobain, what do you want? And he said, I want to be I want to be the biggest band in the world. Would you think he wouldn't say something like that? Because, you know, yeah. like his success was rough for him because he had a lot of, a lot of problems, you know. But yeah. he had that desire to be the biggest band in the world. Yeah. And that one, they basically became it at that point. The addiction, yeah. for, though, for the we're...
1: severe addiction he had would not... The, the depression, you know, the whole yeah, thing, yeah. And, you know, yeah, so you,
0: yeah. You think about it, Dave Grohl lost two spiritual spirit mates, you know, like yeah. soulmates. Oh, yeah. Two yeah. drugs. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, the fact that he's staying positive, you know, yeah. keeps strong, you
2: know. Well, in another interview I heard with him, too. he goes, well, he goes, rock and roll is, is full of tragedy. You know, and full of dark stories, and you know, it's, it's not in obviously it's not in his nature as a person, his makeup as you know, he's just a, more of an optimist, more of a rather, you know, like he yeah, said, yeah. he's yeah. dealt with, too, you know, and we all have tragedy, no one, no one escapes it, you know,
1: yeah, right, um, yeah. But
2: yeah, the way the way he handled it, but um, another clip I saw, and it's funny because it a couple of years ago, and he's in his early fifties, early to mid fifties, there's a show where he goes, it's my voice, he goes, you know, he's it, there was wear and tear on it, so I don't know the song, but he got into the first verse and he couldn't do the second. He motioned to Taylor Hawkins, and Taylor Hawkins picked up the second verse and sang her great. I mean, he got a good voice. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, yeah, so he, he did he, yeah, he did. He, he could have. I don't know if he ever. He, he sang some leads, I think, didn't he? I, uh, their, I think. He, I think their a couple. concert
0: at Wembley, which is out on DVD, for the encore they played "Rock and Roll." Jimmy Page came <laughs> out and played guitar with him. Dave got on Taylor's drum kit, and Taylor sang the lead on "Rock and Roll," and he did there a great job. Yeah, I
1: bet. But, yeah, Yeah. like you said about the humbleness. Like, I, I, one time I saw them on Dave Letterman's show years ago. I may have even seen it on YouTube when, uh, (laughs) you know, so them on uh, the Foo Fighters on Dave Letterman. And it might have really just been Taylor and uh, Dave that were there. I'm not sure if the whole band was there. Well, anyway, after it's over, Dave comes over. You know, Dave Letterman comes over. And and as you said, Taylor Hawkins was in awe of being there with, you know, with Dave Letterman on the show. So, yeah. yeah. This guy had respect. Like, uh, weren't you, t- weren't, Lou? Weren't you telling me a story about like uh, a Hawkins was playing somewhere, and they, you know, like Hal Blaine was here, It said on the wall or something? Yeah, he's like, shit, right? And, like, he, but he was in awe of of Hal Blaine, uh, of what
2: what what became the the, the respect yeah. for history. I mean,
1: and, and, and by the that's way, that's Hal what... Blaine masters were lost in the UMG fire. Uh, we st- I stop. I don't want to hear. Hal, it. Bla- <laughs> Hal Blaine is on the list. Of Come masters on, that were lost so can you, you you'll never yeah. know now oh man called, he, could well, have had his own, he could have had his own band it could have been unreleased material from hal blaine's yeah. band or something you don't know well, right, sorry, sorry, of, um, sorry, to, of, sorry about that guys <laughs> well, sorry I mean, it, was a, it, it was a somber
2: moment we were kind of moving i know i know, though, I you know. know. well yeah. you know
1: what well yeah okay taylor yeah. hawkins you know he's he's gone too so uh but, but his um,
2: respect for tradition and dave Grohls. that's what we right. do here yeah, yeah, he was right, in you know, uh, awe
1: of, of, of all the people that came before him, like you guys said before. Yeah. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, if he heard like Elvis drummer, DJ Fontana, Jerry Allison, he knew. Right. You know, he, 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 he was 50 and uh, he died, you know, 50s young. So yeah. even given his age and the year he was born, you know, he, he dug back to the beginning. Speaking of which, if I just may interject, Louie, I think I mentioned this. No, I did mention it last week. Louie and I heard Little, Little Richard's Lucille. Yeah, you did mention that. Oh yeah. my, I did. I'll say it again. Heavy, it, it's it, heavy. It's that kind of it's heavy. Yeah. So, like, you go back and listen to that, and that's spawned with Taylor Hawkins and everybody
1: else. Well, yeah. I remember, like, in like say nineteen sixty eight. You know, Little Richard. This is like you know, ten years after the fact of Little Richard. You know, with these Lucille and stuff, and he'd be on television and he'd have his beehive bubble you know with the little mustache and a lipstick you know <laughs> and he's singing lucille and he's pounding it out man you know yeah. yeah
2: yeah he has a great quote about the evolution of rock and roll like in the beginning because he was there at the beginning yeah um if r&b had a baby that baby was called rock and roll yeah so that, that, that yeah. spawned that part
1: cool yeah
0: um another thing did any of you guys see that hbo series that the Foo Fighters had Sonic Highways. That was a great show. Each episode, they would be in a different city. I
1: think I saw some they of it. Would yeah. Soaking yeah. up
0: and the atmosphere. That was just say Again, it's that respect for. Yeah. They're a hard rock band and they could be all snobby, yeah. but they're going down to New Orleans. They're going to right. Missouri and they're soaking up that local flavor. They,
1: yeah. But then they, would, yeah. they they go to a studio there.
0: Yeah, and they record something. But the yep. point is, it's like just a respect for um, uh, music in general you know, they weren't yeah. coming, you know they weren't thinking they were above it. and
1: anything. then he ended up with the uh he ended up with the knee board from sunset sound yeah right yeah and it's funny how he, he started out doing the foo fighters because
2: his first single was that low budget low fidelity song he recorded all by himself yeah it's like mr big head or something when i talk about it carries yeah. on it's a pop song now there's no there's no guitar solo in it but it's it's a it's a cool little tune you know and, and, I and think was, he
0: played he played most of the uh, uh, instruments on that. Yeah, first
2: Yeah, and, and I think that yeah. first record, if it, if it was if it's actually a proper album, I'm not sure. But it he is. did that, and that was a hit all over the place. It was a little power. It was a little power pop single.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's funny because at that time you know, Edenville was playing around. Someone came into Bottle Can and goes, "Lou, are you on the radio?" I'm like, no, because I heard this <laughs> song and they hummed it. I said, no, "That's flattering, but no, not quite, not quite." But then, you know, look what he progressed to. And, you know, Taylor Hawkins had a background as well. He was Mars Marsette's drummer. Yep. And, in fact, she knew yeah. he was going to take the gig. I read where she goes, you're leaving, right? <laughs> when yeah. Dave Grohl came according, you know, he's like, yeah. And she's like, "Yeah, hey, go for it, man. He, um, was, he a Canadian? was he a Canadian?
0: I think so. And hmm. uh, the thing is, it's like he took he, – he made the choice of going with Foo Fighters who there was no assurance that that was going to work. Huh. And he left – you know, he left Atlantis, so it was, that was a big gig, playing arenas yeah. and everything, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess
2: people, too, when they heard, you know, Dave Grohl's got a new band out, they wouldn't expect him to become a front man.
0: Mm. Uh,
3: yeah, yeah, so, no, no one thought of that. Yeah, you know?
2: that's funny, you know, him being in Nirvana all those years, you know, in a sense, you know, like, you know, if you hear him, he's singing all the, the backup harmonies. Yeah. With, with Kurt. But the fact that, you know, he, when he'd go back to his hotel room and, and probably write it, he had a shit ton of songs, whatever, I don't know if his previous bands before that whether he had he was a a lead vocalist or guitar player or you know doing drums and both.
0: He was kind of doing mostly punk and hardcore right before. I I think so. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. From the from the DC area, I think.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's from that Baltimore. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But here he comes out. You know, he actually came out from behind the drum kit. You know, but like Foo Fighters were a huge band. I mean, they've been around for is it twenty five years now at least or over? The first
0: first album came out in nineteen
2: ninety five. Okay. So Foo Fighters
0: album. 95.
2: Are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?
0: I you know what? I, I would think that with politics, Dave Grohl would be in there. I, I would I, think so. I think, yeah, yeah. You can't and deny we, him. You know Nirvana's in there, right? They're in there. So yeah,
1: right. uh, Has it been 25 years for Cheryl Crow because there was a documentary about her? It was called Cheryl. And what they do is there's a documentary and then you'll end up nominated for it worked for the Go-Go's, it worked for Tina yeah. Turner, you know, it's just what you do. No, I don't the, know, Go-Go's, I don't know. I, the Go-Go's got in. I think, that, I think in. that's up for
3: debate.
0: Well, the Go-Go's got in because Gina Shock called up uh, milk crates and turned in. <laughs> <double. laughs> she yeah. called
1: up, well, Jack Calabrese. Uh, he <laughs> went, he went to bat for Gina. Yep. <laughs> but Cheryl Crow, I don't know if she's been around 25 years. Isn't that the criteria? Is the Probably we were, years.
2: We, with the, the Tuesday Night Music Club, I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm telling
1: you, there's a documentary about her. She'll Carly be nominated the Carly for the Simonson. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Carly Simon. <laughs> yeah.
2: Is, is that how it works? If someone does a documentary about you, you're in.
1: Well, yeah. If if your father is, you know, Simon and Schuster, the Simon from Simon and Schuster, yeah. Well, maybe you have a little, a uh, little in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So Tuesday Night Music Club back, was our first time. Room deal. Mm-hmm. And it came out in ninety-three. Yeah. But yeah, I mean she's not bad I like her, is she some original artist? Nah.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm in, I'm in kind of ambivalent toward her. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. She's no Chrissy Hine. You know? She
0: had that song, If It Makes You Happy, remember that it one? Happy. It, oh, she, that she was, was a yeah. great song. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and also, um, does, does uh, she well, write... soak up the sun. She didn't write that though, that was written by a friend of hers, and then she came in and filled in the rest, right? Yeah,
2: well, there was some contention about the, the Tuesday night music club because what it was that's exactly what it was it was a yep. bunch of singer songwriters in LA, yep. David Bearwald from David and David, was yep. one of these other guys that the contention was they think they should have gotten more credit or if or any if I don't think they did or not about basically working those songs You're out. You're absolutely right, these, these yeah. Are, right. yeah. I, you know, and, I think if you if you come in with a tune. You know, it's up for debate. Someone says if you know, I have a whole song and Mark throws in one word, he's a co-writer. Yeah. But I I yeah, that's called the uh, there's a certain that's called like the national. Well, I rule saw or I saw like some of that yeah.
1: Doc- yeah. I saw a lot of a big big chunk of that documentary. And she went on Dave Letterman after uh that first first single of hers came out. And she you know, he asked her about Tuesday Day music club and she pretty much took credit on her own for it. Mm. And the other the other people in the club were pissed. Apparently. They were. Yeah. They were.
2: Also, because there were no slouches the songwriters either. Yeah, you know, yep. everyone everyone there had some background. They weren't super successful, you know. They weren't nobody, nobody's. I think David Barrel was the most probably the most well known of that group. Yeah. Um, you remember? Do you remember? remember David and David? Late eighties. No. Remember David Welcome-
1: Goliath, But now I don't remember those two. Hello, David.
2: <laughs> um, they had a song called "Welcome to the Boomtown." Welcome to the Boomtown.
1: Late eighties. It was a good good song.
2: Yeah. Actually, I had one of his solo records. It was it wasn't it wasn't bad.
0: Hmm. Well, yeah, Cheryl. I mean, I don't want to bring her down because you know yeah, she bring her down. Successful. she's successful, a
1: millionaire. Marketing. No,
2: if, 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 it, if it makes you happy, Mark, do it. Yeah,
0: she knows. <laughs> she knew how to play the game. She was a musician. She wrote songs, great. She sang. She also knew how to play that political game of the music business, and she made herself big. Right. She just she played. She gained she on the system stage with to benefit the Rolling herself. Stones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Singing the worst remember, Rolling Stones song, by the way, "Tumbling Dice." Yeah. I just you know? remember, like,
0: yeah. she came out. I heard that first uh, hit. Uh, I forgot the name of it, the, the very first hit. Uh, yeah, Beer, yeah. Beer Buzz, 9 in the morning.
1: Yeah, right. like, all, right. all, all, cool. I, all I, wanna do. All I want to do. Santa and I'm like, Monica Boulevard, yeah. It's okay, yeah. but
0: I'm like, eh. All of a sudden, she's, like, the biggest thing in the world. Like you said, yeah. she's going on stage with the Stones. I'm like, you just get the right manager or whatever, and you make the right contacts, you know?
2: And, and it takes good time. Yeah,
0: Yeah, because there's so many singers that...
1: And, and of course, you have she was to move to
2: Nashville. Now you do. Yeah, uh, she was the backup singer for Michael Jackson, wasn't
0: she? Yes, before okay. she did that first album.
2: Yeah, uh, it's not. It's not like she wasn't in there working. You know, it wasn't like a a given thing. But i uh, you know, yeah, for every yeah. for every Cheryl Crow or whoever, or I mean, David Bearer, any any person, is always another someone else that could have gotten you know the, the exactly, deal to, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. like she could. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of ambivalent. You know, I just I don't know.
0: You then, then you got schmucks like us. We play music that we like, and we like it, so we don't play that game.
1: Right. You know? When I hear that song, if it makes you I would you give the opportunity. Me, I, 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 <laughs> stop! Stop already.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I would That's sell your me. guys' when souls for that, a record You would, Baloo. I Wait, have I, a I,
1: I have a ring of salt around me. You're not getting my salt.
2: Okay. You yeah, there's, uh, well, there's a will, there's a way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mark is still drinking that Australian kangaroo chardonnay. Yeah, I am, but we can't. What's it mention their name. What's the name of the band? What's the name of the uh the bands? The band yeah. it's what's the name Chardonnay? of the product? That
2: <laughs> I'm in the business, you guys. I'm gonna get drummed out.
0: Well for a um for a for an educational uh I would say that, you know, for educational purposes, we could say that if you don't want to break the budget and buy just a normal bottle of Chardonnay, uh yellowtails very good. That's an educational Where thing, does you know? uh
1: where does it come from? Uh grapes. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Do you know the regions of Australia? There's, a, there's no, like regions. no, but I'll tell you what I do. I am, do. No, I am nowhere. They?
0: All right, lose the geography. Come S- up, southeast.
1: Lou. Southeast
2: Australia is big. I think it's the Waipu. Oh, no, Southeast
1: just, Australia.
2: Well, Wanamara <laughs> Valley. Um, yeah, that, that, that there's a, a region called Southeast. No,
1: Valley. no, no. I mean, like the, there's like the, actually Australia. You know, like in Canada, you have Alberta. You have right. You have Ottawa. You have British right, Columbia. What, what, well, Australia wine has region, provinces too.
2: Yeah, but uh, sometimes the wine regions aren't named after them. Now I'm drawing blanks. Though. No, no,
1: I'm talking well, about the provinces what of are you going Australia. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, well, Lou, I'll tell you one there, thing. That's it. Now we're going into wine talk. We we don't want to do it, but you know your wines. I prefer Australia for Chardonnay. I really do okay. more than South America, mm-hmm. ugh. America. Ugh. I don't even like well, it Well, I'm, I'm wondering where I the just... fertile
1: fields are in Australia. Are they in the Northern Territories? Oh, I was telling you, you,
2: know? you know, there's, they're in the Southeast. And some of these wine bottles, you actually might even say it on, the, on that. The one really? Mark's drinking. Yeah. Um, but I forgot some of the wine regions. It might be, you know, they, they, they're weird names. You know, A Kunawara is one. The, the Kunawara Valley, I think.
1: Yep. Okay, hold on.
2: But because uh. of the climate. So Mark, Mark likes ripe, ripe wines. He doesn't like those lean, um, soil-driven European wines. He likes that. Mark is an American. He likes things big, bold, and brash. <laughs> so, America, like I said last week, America and Australia are very similar in that we're very obnoxious in what we like. You know, we're kind of true. We like the rough and tumble stuff. You know. Our Preferably wines in, California. in a box
1: I prefer it in a box. Sure. Actually, there,
2: there's some, you know, they're making great wines in boxes now. Now, the whole thing, box wines being generic and cheap, as no longer. You can buy a $50 box wine.
1: And you're technically a sommelier. But a, in, but in a case of
2: enological discussion You're a sommelier, right, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm not, but I took my introductory level with the Court of Master Sommelier. So that's like the College of, Car- uh, the College of Cardinals for the Vatican. Are there a in Somalia, I wonder? There are more, uh, there are more, I think I heard there were one time there were more astronauts and Master Sommeliers. Okay, so, I can Ma- tell you. Master Sommelier is It came it from
0: Stanford, Connecticut. Oh, that's the distributor. That's the
1: distributor.
2: Is it 21 Brands? We're, we're naming uh, names. There. Deutsch
0: family wine right. in
2: Stanford, right. it's, Sanford,
0: it's a product of southeastern Australia. They don't so, even put words. Exactly. So,
2: yeah. Well, th- because it's gathered from all different areas. Now, Australia is mostly machine harvested. They don't use. They don't use workers. They, use, they mostly harvest yeah. by machine. Yeah. So, yeah. so I hope well, you know that there are people that don't have jobs, Mark, in yeah. Australia because of the wine that you're so, drinking.
1: you, so, you know Mark, what? I think you you and the... your
2: friggin' social conscience. Mark just I mean, said
1: Deutsch. So. Do you know like in the Pennsylvania Dutch, they're not Dutch at all, they're German. Yep. Right? And because of the word it's not Dutch, it's Deutsch. It's Deutsch. But the Americans turned it into Dutch, so it just became Pennsylvania Dutch. We're, it, it's really because of the word Deutsch, German. Mark just poured himself four fingers
2: of one.
1: Is it five? <laughs> right to the rim, baby. <laughs> So, uh, so is it my turn to suggest a record to listen to? It is, and where we, we
2: want we something, have, we have other th- We also have other things to talk about. Oh, really? Okay. We got more. Let's yeah. roll. You we're, roll with we're it, at, man. We're at an hour and thirty-three minutes. <laughs> roll. Okay, so so the, the concert. Um, it sounds like a great. I, I I really look forward to seeing it. I didn't know a lot of those acts and What those, the Taylor, uh, the, Taylor it, tribute the Taylor Hawkins the Taylor Hawkins yeah yeah
0: yeah it sounds good. I'm gonna watch it.
2: And he was a great drummer. Like I said, he's a great rock and roll drummer. He's, mm-hmm. He was carrying a rock and roll torch. And he you know? could
1: do all styles, yeah. too. He could do all yeah. That. Yeah.
2: yeah, Yeah. Yeah. He played Alanis Morissette. Okay, so last week we were talking about Jackson Brown's um, Very Boring Second record. <laughs>
1: <laughs> completely, completely boorish. Well,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, you know, boorish <laughs> and boring are two different things. is, is un- unmannered, is uncivilized. Well, like, no, it's a boring. That, that t- comment you made was really. Well, boring.
1: all right, so what? You're still hurt by that? I mean, come on, man. No, no, <laughs> no.
2: I'm, I, I was thinking because, like, I've heard several of his records. I went back and listened to the first one. And I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, boring. two songs. And I'm, I, well, yeah, it's it's very it's very moody. It's. You know, I agree okay. with you, Lou.
0: I didn't like the yeah. first album either. Yeah. No, yeah. no,
2: no. Yeah. Um, so, and then on the third one. um mark helped me the third record um fire in the sky late for the sky late for the sky sky. yeah that's some people said that's his masterpiece and i liked one song from that um uh the the one most well known song from that record i can't think of it now but anyway i'm like so like okay and then even the pretender like i like him in bits. i like songs i don't like a whole album it's kind Mm -hmm. of you know it's it's dull in a sense they're trying to find a better way of of saying that because the musicianship is superb he's a great song he's a great songwriter it's just they're kind of so laid back
0: that's why but, for years I didn't like Jackson Brown. I, know, I thought he was he, dull.
2: his vocals, yeah. and so you said yeah. they sound like he was recording demos, which I kind of I think that's <laughs> pretty apt. Um, but the second record to me is special. There's something special about that, and I think the retrospective reviews, even though, like I said, Perry, it's not a, it's it's kind of on the the laid back side. You know, but I think that's his best record that I've yeah. heard. But anyway, what's his best record? A lot of um, for uh, every the, man. For, for every man. Yeah. I think going back and, you know, consider, that's not considered his masterpiece. It was like a second record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think the songwriting is solid. I like what he did with the vocals and stuff. But anyway, but a lot of those musicians of that era that was early, um, that early 70s, Southern California, the whole Laurel yeah. Canyon scene, there was a cluster of musicians. And like there was The Wrecking Crew, The Funk Brothers, uh, Muscle Shoals. These group had their own. They gave themselves a name. They called themselves The Section.
1: The Section.
2: The section and they were performers on uh, they toured with a lot of these artists that we we've talked about and we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but they did a lot of the records and it was a pretty much a cluster of guys, but they also did three of their own albums, um, sometime in the early to mid seventies of instrumental jazz, fusion, rock, and stuff like that. But um the names and most people, you know, know them for certain songs that they've done. But mm-hmm. the, the core group was Danny Korchmar on guitar. He's Cooch. multi-instrumentalist, I believe. Danny Cooch, that's yes, right. Uh, Craig Dorage, the keyboardist. Leland Scalara, bass player Supreme. Yeah. And listening to their own records, the section, this guy, bass player Supreme. The bass is very notable on those on the record. I listened to their first album. He's one of the greatest today. bass players. He's East one club. of the greatest. Yeah. He he really is. And what he likes, he likes this. Apparently he likes he collects pictures of uh, the first Mark says,
1: Mark says, yeah, he has a lot of
2: things. There's pictures, a coffee yeah, table
0: yeah. book where he took yeah. all these artists, Don Henley, Alice Cooper, everybody mm-hmm. just giving them the finger. Yeah.
2: So he, he has a fetish and that's okay.
0: Yeah. You know he likes little middle fingers. Okay.
2: Um and the drummer, I uh, the drummer Russ Conkle was a drummer, drummer subcon. Yeah. Yep. Um Russ Conkall has a footnote in history, which I think is just, well. We'll get to it later in a few minutes. It's just amazing. It's it's musical, but it's something where I didn't know this until I read the, read up on him today, and it's 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 fantastic. Okay, um, and sort of satellite players that were in there, but not as much, but of their own note was a uh, Wadi Wachtel, the guitar player, yeah, musical director. Um, he's played on so many things. Um, it's amazing. I looked at his discography all over the place until the current day, and David Lindley, the multi-instrumentalist yep. no, we played on the for every man's jackson brown another guy a wizard with the stringed instruments and he played the fiddle on that song ready or not i, I believe on the, on the for every man that's him on fiddle oh brown.
0: okay yeah
2: yeah um so um, some albums they were on oh they didn't their, their three albums called the section uh they did an instrumental version of dock of the bay which is really cool um forward motion and fork it over that was their three records but, when did
1: they make these records
2: Early to mid seventies. Mm-hmm. I think by the eighties they were kind of went their separate ways. Um, but and as session musicians, they're the the backing band on um, uh, Tapestry by Carole King. Right. Classic yeah. Album. Yep. Uh, I feel the Earth move, jazz man. Yeah. I think that was on the latter album. Cooch is uh, on definitely.
1: guitar on that one. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. They're on the Sweet Baby James record by James Taylor. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, Fire and Rain. I believe that's Russ Kunkel, I believe. Um, as session players, they're the opposite. Linda Ronstadt, Mad Love, uh, yeah. Crosby and Nash. Jackson, the Jackson Brown records. Yeah. And, and one way they're all over that. Warren um, right? Warren yep. Zevon, yep. absolutely. They're on the JT record, Mudslide Slim in the Blue Horizon. Uh, Linda Ronstadt's, excuse me, Mad Love is what they're on. Yep. Uh, Jackson Brown running on empty. That's Russ Conkle's drum kit on the cover of it. We mentioned. That's really. If you ever see the cover, there's got the, he plays it. Uh, I never saw North, the cover. North, the, drum,
0: yeah. the drums on the highway with the sky in the background.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's, there's, there's these elongated tom-toms. And there, there it was a company called North. Those drums were designed to project out. I don't know what mm-hmm. songs he played that on. A very good, weird thing, I don't know if they're still making, but they'd be like a collector's item It looked like a, a long conga with an open end. It kind of sloped down yeah. like a banana. Yeah. Um, North drums, you know. Um, but, you know, particular songs that they played on, um, It's Too Late, The Coward King. Oh, yeah. Uh, Sweet, Sweet Season's. I, they, these are great songs. If you listen, yeah. the, the instrumentation on that album is very sparse. Tapestry is a
1: great record. It yeah. really
2: is. Now, yeah. the producer was the producer Lou Adler. I don't know.
1: I think Lou Adler was. Yeah. In fact, okay. they were on his. Right. They were on his record label, Ode okay. Odie okay. Records or Ode Records. Odie Records. Records. Yeah. Yeah. Ode Records, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. Um, but uh, when you hear those songs, like I, I feel the Earth move. I heard it last week, and I mean, what a great song! The piano's great. I mean, it's so cool. It's a rhythm section, really. The yeah. whole album. You know, the, uh, the guitar. I guess that's Danny Korchmar playing the guitar on that on that particular song yeah um, but um that's them on you've got a friend uh james Taylor. how sweet it is that's them <laughs> doctor my eyes by jackson brown that's that's uh, i think it's probably yeah. leland seglar and, and russ congo and J- uh jesse a. davis jesse on a.
1: davis doing that guitar uh bit one, one take at the end. Right. yeah yep
2: yep um rock me on the water um that's the second single from Jackson Browne. Yeah, how first does,
1: I, I've heard so much about. How does that song go? Can I, I know the chorus: "Rock me it? on the water." Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's all I got. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, uh, poor, poor, pitiful me by Linda Ronstadt. Yep, that's them yep. on drums. Um, Written by and, uh, uh, Poor, poor. That, that's uh, Warren Zevon. Warren Zevon. Yeah. And um, they're also the, uh, the rhythm section and other musicians on Crosby, Stills, Nash's "Just a Song Before I Go," mm. which uh, it's a beautiful song.
1: You know, uh, that might
2: be seventy nine. too.
1: Wow! Um, no, well, hold on. Just the song. No, before beef. Yeah. I go, that's a Graham Nash song, I think. Right about a.
2: He sang lead on it, but I think that no, was the wrote it. I Nash. think Graham Nash wrote it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, it wasn't on. A, it
1: wasn't a solo album, but that right. Was a so, Crosby so in st- yeah. other words, those Lee Clar and those guys are playing on that record as well. Who's, yeah, and that's so- at least on that song. Yeah, who's
0: doing that wild, that really smooth sounding guitar? That's a break. Yeah.
2: No, that's, that's got to be Steven Stills.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking.
2: Yeah, I would think. Yeah.
0: It's such a nice sounding guitar.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I, I saw, I was watching some uh, rock docs on Tubi last night. So it, 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 on the channel Tubi. It was yeah. all based upon Southern. I, I watched the making of the Eagles' Desperado record.
0: Oh, wow. I'd love to see that.
2: Um, I listened to the album today. Um, Highly underrated. Yes. Highly, I mean, I was like, wow, if you didn't know. You know, you're supposed to hate the Eagles, so if you don't think you, you know, if you don't think you're supposed to hate the Eagles, you might like this record. But it's, it's considered it, a landmark of. It's country one of the their rock.
1: best, and it's that their second it, album. It yeah,
2: it's the second album. It's got Desperado on it. It's that's still Tequila Glenn Johns,
1: right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And before, apparently that before was before he had issue with them, or before they had well, issue yeah, with well, him, Yeah, well, that, apparently
2: that's the record that they actually liked. I I read where when they heard the final, he played them the final playback. They lifted him off there. They carried him out of the studio on their shoulders. They loved that. There was something they loved with Glenn <laughs> Johns. Which which I think Glenn Fry should have mentioned that when he was dishing on him on yeah. the Eagles, the history of the Eagles talk, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, and, and but all I noticed in notice that record Henley's prominent. So after the mm-hmm. first record, Henley sang Witchy Woman. And I heard David Geffen said, you know, you've got to get him. Now that was a Bernie next Leden record. song,
1: right? Uh it was Bernie
2: who wrote the music, Henley wrote the lyrics. Right, um, yeah. Right. But Bernie Leden's got some good stuff on the second record. And he is it's because, you know, they get knocked for you apparently ripping off, you know, the burritos that had a
1: Ah, uh, Bernie Lennon was the what guy that did. A... What are you talking about ripping off? The I, I, I always,
2: I always hear this contention that the Eagles, you know, they they stared at Graham Parsons and observed everything he did and regurgitated and made I'm, more money. I'm and... guilty of
0: that. I brought it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I mean, but
2: I'm not saying. But there's also borrowing, you know. I mean, yeah. I've I've heard drummers maybe play something I might do. I thought was mine, but you know, it's, you looking you can't patent that. Mm, well, that's, but, a,
1: that's a touchy area. I mean, come on. I yeah, mean, well, it, the Leadon well, Brothers did, did standard country songs too. Right uh, and, you know, yeah, and songs and yeah
2: and, and so did and Mark mentioned to you, so did Poco yeah hmm. and I I hear more of a Poco influence in the Eagles than I do from the Flying Burrito Brothers yeah,
1: weren't you, weren't no, you guys no, talking to you last week excuse me about yeah. uh Poco like the Eagles sort of taking lifting things from Poco like well, Poco yeah. may have done uh, I tell you
0: yeah. this week I've really started listening on Spotify to uh, Poco mm-hmm. and I'll hear songs and I'll go that sounds not like an eagle song what i'm saying is that style yeah that's yeah, yeah
2: um and you know, so there's some contention involved you know, they, you know they also um rusty young also kind of accused the flying burrito brothers of stealing from them but you're all, no and no one mentioned dillard and clark you know
1: right when you're doing country rock or whatever the category is called yeah. right but the interesting yeah. thing is that randy meisner and timmy schmidt were both in polka right replacing yeah. each other right. and uh, and, and Ber- Bernie
2: Ledin, having been on the, the Dillard and Clark record, he has just a claim to country rock. I mean, yeah, if anybody, yep. and yeah, and his influence on the second record is very pronounced. And that was '68, yeah. where he was with
1: Dillard and Clark, right? Well,
2: Dylan, yeah, Dillard yeah. and Clark, and Desperado was 1973. Yeah, but um, but they also they showed you know Linda Ronstadt covered the song Desperado. We got a little off topic, but that's an interesting topic. Though. You know, the, well, it's, let, it's, let it, me just it, say, it, yeah, if I sure, can say yeah.
0: one thing, and it's a little esoteric, but everyone hates on the Eagles, but I'll say. I don't. If the Eagles never, no, I don't either. But what I'm saying is they didn't get that massive success from that sound. That sound would have died. Like that, that Prob- whole probably yeah. genre, which I love because it's it's a great genre of music. So yeah, yeah. if if there hadn't been an Eagles, maybe by '72 we wouldn't have heard anything like that ever again.
1: Exactly. right. Like this, so which That's way you guys point. going? We're going this way.
2: Yeah, but okay. also now Pure Prairie League would they have picked up the mantle? Pure Prairie League were on the same level as Pogo. And what I noticed was, you know, they always said about the Eagles, they had song power. Those songs that they wrote, Henley and Frey, once I, you know, and then the What are supposed
1: Prairie League songs? Uh, Amy, Amy, what? Oh you yeah, I mean, do? that was like every bar band played yeah, that so song. They, yeah,
2: but that, that's also not unlike something Poco could have done.
1: But Poco yeah. didn't have. I,
2: it had great material. They were great. Poco were a great concert draw because they were great in concert. That music lent itself to that communal atmosphere. But they didn't have a witchy woman. They didn't have a, a take it easy. A peaceful they might easy not have had the songwriting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Irving Azoff said when Henley and Fry kind of took over the Eagles. They had song power. I mean, you, the, the second record they wrote, they co-wrote eight of the eleven songs. I'm so, so up.
1: you're saying that Rusty Young sort of felt at times that the, like the harmonies were. Yeah. Uh, that that's a silly argument when you yeah, come out when you yeah, have like people um, in a band who can sing. I they're going to mm-hmm. harmonize, right? Rusty, yeah, Rusty
0: and, Young needs therapy. I think. <laughs>
2: Well, you know, it's funny because both uh, Rusty Young and Paul Cotton, um, Paul Cotton, replay, um, Richie Fury, he's an interesting guy because he was in all these bands, but you know, it's like, uh, he, he was a very frustrated and envious guy because he was the originator of Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. And then he saw, you know, Steven Stills has the hit, and then he goes on. So he saw Randy um, Randy Meiser go on to the Eagles and become successful. He was never a big in his own right. even Wasn't with, he uh, Manassas? Fury. Uh, Richie Fury, was he in Manassas? No. That, that was Chris Hillman know. and Steven Stills. Uh, that was Hillman and Stills but Richie Fury got, you know, he sold these, his cohorts go mm. on to greatest success. The Eagles too. Um, but he learned to deal with it, but it was just something where he just couldn't get that thing. Couldn't get know, over but, it. Right. Yeah. Couldn't get over it. And also the fact that you know, I, mean, Desperado is a great song. Linda Ronstadt's version was, yeah. maybe was more well-known at that time. Yeah, than the Eagles yeah. When she yep. covered it. Yeah.
0: And, and Lou, you break one thing about all this we're talking about for such a laid back genre of music. There were very strong personalities. And there are a lot of assholes in that in that music. Like I'm reading, like oh yeah, yeah, like
1: people are very Buffalo egotistical. Yeah. Well, apparently, they, they the were cocaine like, t- turns into an asshole too.
2: Of course it does. Yeah. Of course it does. I mean, it's funny because they even like Buffalo Springfield, that you know, um that was what that was. uh I didn't know, I didn't know Neil Young was one of the founders. So Neil, Young and Stills were two alpha males battling it out. But that was Stills' band. But you know, Richie Fury was in I, when he was in that. Was he in? Was he in Buffalo Springfield? I'm not sure, but um, I think IT Dewey, Dewey, now Dewey Martin, the drummer of yeah. Buffalo Springfield, he was in the Standells for a period. So that's there was a little a leap after from our dirty one hit water wonder to this, after the big yeah, hit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so but he was then even a touring you know,
1: version of the band or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: but you know, the was Jim Messina who went on to uh Lagen's Yeah, Acina. yep, yep. But th- there were these guys. You know, they were just too disparate. But anyway, being what it was.
0: Um. By but, the way, and- yes, Richie Fury was in um. Was in Buffalo Springfield.
2: Buffalo Springfield, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Buffalo so Springsteen. Like a, the Buffalo Springsteen. The REM speed wagon. But but Mark, what you said a lot of things, a lot of egos. Rusty, Rusty Young has an ego, you know. Yeah. I mean, they listen to him saying, you know, there's some contentious points there. Yeah. Listen, now in that period of time, and how many times have we you know written a song where you're like, I'm hearing something similar, you know? It's just it's all that part, and they were all part of the same milieu yeah. there, too, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but that was a little so we, we went off on an early 70s thing, but that uh, into the eagles. But, you know, we the, went the this section. Way. Yeah. We did. We did. But it was, that's yeah, interesting.
1: Well, I mean, it's like but, that, you know, mem- hmm. remember Billy Joel? Like, uh, they gave Billy Joel criticism all the time because, you know, well, you know, you sound like, well, yeah, everything. It's rock and roll, man. Yeah. I mean,
2: come on. Right. Yeah, Everyone, it's a, it's a borrowed art it's form. It's
1: derivative.
0: Yeah. So what? Yeah. Right. As long as you just don't flat out copy, it's okay.
2: Yeah. 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 So, but right, yeah, as far as the section goes, you know, once the whole things they yeah. did their own thing, but so they had three you know,
1: albums, and and three albums. It, al- it says the section on it, yeah,
2: yeah. That, that's the name of the band. The first records coming. I'm looking
0: at
1: 1972.
2: Yeah, the album cover. It's a cherry pie with someone's taken a section yep. of the pie yep. out. There.
1: Um, now, did they but, have a singer in the band or a, no?
2: It was instrumental. All instrumental. Instrumental wow, and yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's jazz fusion of the early 70s, but it's not too slick. Um, it's got that it's got that low, not a low woody sounding recording. Yep. What do you got? What do you got there, Mark?
0: Oh, I had the uh, uh you got cover the, on? on Spotify, yeah. yeah. After the show, I'm gonna listen
2: to right. it. Um, after so, you know once the, the 80s came about, you know, once the section was you know, not yeah. what they used to be in session groups like that, uh, Danny Kortsmar, as we know he went on to a lot of other things, worked with Don Henley. On some big stuff, he's on um, "I Can't Stand Still" his first record, and building the perfect beast,
0: masterpiece,
2: a masterpiece. I agree, Mark. Um, Some some great guitar playing, great songwriting. This guy, these these guys are they're masters to what they do. You know, Um, and judging by Wadi Wachtel's background, what he did, um, Leland Sklar, he went on to have an association with Phil Collins.
1: Yeah. For a lot of years. So, yeah, yeah, touring, yeah, So he's touring on, with Phil Collins, right? Touring,
2: uh, playing on "No Jacket Required." That's him on studio. Oh yeah, he's in the video with it. Yeah, with yeah. that long beard, man. When was that? He was. in a studio. <laughs> I have a DVD of
0: Phil Collins. All the time. <laughs> I have a DVD of Phil Collins with least Clar. He does the dance moves with with Phil, like he's yes, dancing. He he's great. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, Peter Gabriel had a lot of choreography in some of his shows yeah, too, right? Yeah. Where Tony Levin, they'd be all dancing along with him and stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, his, his hey, concert he did the uh, it was WOMAD, is the World Organization of Music and Dance. That he was, was
0: doing that African type dancing, which is yeah,
2: really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Lou, who did I see Lee Sklar with? Can you guess? You we mean you, live? You I saw, saw I was Lee in BB live? Kings. Is in BB Kings in a small club watching Lee Sklar play with one of my Toto, favorite had to be Toto. Yeah, Toto.
1: I was joking. You're kidding. He right? played
0: with them for about four years, and there's two DVD, there's a DVD with him on it. And Toto. I always thought of Lee as this laid back, mellow player. So when he plays the Toto stuff, and there's some really fusion y stuff, and that's when yeah. I learned that Lee Sklar is a fantastic bassist. He's quick. Yeah.
3: Freaking
2: He's quick, quick, you know, he yeah. can do it all. I mean, you'll notice on them, yeah. um, listen to the, the first section record, Mark. Um, okay, I think I think David Sanborn's on it too.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Okay, um, you could say to yeah. someone like, when you uh, you know, if you're in the studio and like, can you sound like uh, Lee Sklar on Carol King? It's too late, baby. Now, like, you know, like, can you, can you play like that? This is what people don't understand, like, yeah, you know, and then- you have to listen to these things. Right. And then you know, that's yeah. when
0: Lee Sklar comes busting through the studio door and goes, I'm going to play on that. Right,
2: right. But the point he, he is, comes, you comes know, in, he's like the Kool-Aid man coming through the wall, yeah. regardless <laughs> yeah. of how old
1: we are. You know, you like Lou, you've been listening to stuff from the 1950s with your teenage son. So, you know, they're there. It just continues. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. It, it, and, it's a rich it's a rich vein that we tap into. Yeah. And yeah. I'm
0: following I'm following Lee on Facebook and he's touring with Lyle Lovett right now. And wow. if you want a, 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 just an insight into a touring musician, this guy at like 5.30 in the morning, he puts a picture of a sunrise in um, Montana. And he's like, yep, yeah. we're up. We're ready to get, hit the bus. And he just puts like, you, you really feel like you're on tour when you read his posts, you know, really good stuff.
2: Well, wow, that's cool. And also, it's first class accommodations at this point.
0: He was you on know? a bus. He said, we just took a bus. Well, it,
2: it, yeah. it's, it's a bus, but you know, the, the bus has amenities, you know, even yeah. though it's and like it a lot, lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's got a YouTube channel, and uh, it's it's pretty cool that he does. You know, he's in his house, and he'll talk about Gene Clark. He'll talk about you know Phil Collins. He'll talk about uh, you know whatever from his past, and like he's got a lot of cool stories to tell. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: So um, and you know one of his his cohorts, you know, we're talking about Wadi Wachtel. Um, his discography and the list of people he's played with is, is, is immense as well. You know, besides this session musician Roland deronstadt Stevie Nicks. He's Stevie Nicks' musical director. Yeah. Uh, to this day, I believe. Um, he, he played lead guitar on the Rolling Stones Saint of Me.
1: Oh, wait. Excuse heard, me. Uh, he was the guy. Waddy Watchell is the guy Wattell. on the Edge of Wattell. 17. Wattell. And the Edge of 17, he's the guy that came up with the, ju, 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 that steady. Yeah. He was the guy that came up yeah. with that. Yeah.
2: And that's Russ Kunkel on drums. Yeah? Yeah. What um, what,
1: what stone song do you play on?
2: Uh, Saint of Me. He played lead guitar. Oh, wow. Rolling Stones. Yeah. Um, he would work with bon, John Bon Jovi, uh, James Hill, Iggy Pop, Warren Zevon, Buckingham Nicks. He had something to do with their first two records. Wow. Um, the Pretenders, Arlo Guthrie, J.D. Souther, Carla Bonoff, Brian Ferry, Richie Ferre. There you go. Um, he did something to do with Ronnie Hawkins' uh, record called The Hawk in 1979. Kim Carnes, Don Henley, Steve Perry. He's on Steve Penley's uh, solo record there, one with O'Sherry on it. Yeah. Um, Miranda You've Lambert, he did, Leanne Rums. He did country music as well. But, he, but he's like Stevie Nicks musical director. But finally, just to wrap this up, um, I, I left Russ Kunkel for last because he is a drummer. He's a great drummer. Alex Van Halen made fun of his snare drum in an interview, and I think that was really bad. But he apologized. Um, he's Jackson Brown's long-term drummer, and he's part of that section we've been talking about, all those Carole King records and stuff. Uh, he played with Bob Seger after Dave Tegarden left the Silver Bullet Band. He helped get the Willis Allen Ramsey record, Perry. Um, really? Uh, he helped get that out there willis allen ramsey was a singer-songwriter he's a texan i believe right still He'd yeah be? yeah still. Um, still he wrote muskrat yeah. love he, he wrote the big he wrote the song muskrat love he wrote like, goodbye
1: everybody. to old Missoula. go yeah. by old <laughs> yeah.
2: better song um yeah. but you know uh, hopefully he's getting money from the um the, the captain teniel's number one or whatever their big probably top 10 bought hit was him of a muskrat house love. yeah probably yeah. buy a big well, house you know what depending
1: think. on the deal he signed who knows yep
2: yeah. Um, so Russ Kunkel is also on the Stevie Nicks Belladina record album. We are talking about Edge of Seventeen. That's him playing that syncopated bass drum part in the yeah. middle. Yeah, that's um, a great now, album. What, what really brings it home for me on this, Russ Kunkel was in this Spinal Tap. Really? Wow. He played. He plays the drummer Stumpy Joe Childs. I think he Stumpy blew up. Joe, I, think, yeah. I think Russ Kunkel blew up. I think he exploded. <laughs> so that's that's. that's that, wow. <laughs> so that, that that's that's perfect. I mean, that's very. probably
0: because he knows Rob Reiner.
2: <laughs> right i mean he can rest on that laurel i mean you're, you're stumpy joe you know it wasn't see, joe mama besser
0: and i'll say something about russ kunkel it is like there's these songs where you know the song the drums are the most noticeable part of a song running on empty what do you think of when you, from when i was 10 years old that drum sound the way he played the drums on it yeah fantastic,
3: yeah.
2: fantastic. um there's fills at the end
0: yeah and, yeah um
2: um, well, I, I recently,
1: I recently saw maybe a year ago. I saw Jackson Brown from just a few years ago and getting the original band back together with the original backup singers, the original everybody. Mm. So Jackson Brown had the electric guitar out, and they were playing that song. Russ Kunkel was on the drums, wow. and um, Dave Lindley was playing the guitar. Dave, and Dave the, back, the background singers were there, and like it sounded pretty darn good. I they I like bet. you know.
2: Yeah, I bet a Craig George is playing Dirge or whatever he playing. Yeah, uh, yeah Keyboards. Yeah. Um, the, the singer's name was Rosemary something. She sang. There, were, the there was a there was
1: a guy and a girl, a man and a woman yeah. doing the or background. She, yeah, she, yeah, she
2: sang the part on "Stay," the version of "Stay," the live version from that. That's oh, her yeah? singing. Yeah, yeah the featured featured part on that. The Darlene that old 1950s, style. Yeah. Uh, style
1: yeah. that little 50's 50s duop thing. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. The um.
1: Yeah. The, the fact that he, as far as a singer,
2: you uh, know. He didn't have the strongest voice, but I noticed on his last record he's kept it up. He, you know, he's it's it's he sounds good. I was surprised. You know, it's it's Jackson Brown. It's introspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the quintessential singer songwriter. But you know, the fact you're still writing some pretty relevant stuff and it's not embarrassing. Um, you know, it's that's when you.
0: I wonder. I wonder, I'd like to hear some of his outtakes, like I'm making a cup of coffee. There are no <laughs> outtakes left. They're
1: probably all burned up in the Universal <laughs> Studio fire. <laughs>
0: Look. It's funny how a guy that we can all like, say is boring, but he's incredible. It's amazing that he can oh, straddle yeah. both, yes. you know? Yeah.
3: Now, yeah. There's,
2: there's artists you like you like hearing songs by. There's artists you like hearing a whole album by. Yeah. And that, 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 that mood may hit you. One day you might like hearing that album. The next time you won't. Um, case in point, Rick, De- Rick Danko did a solo album um, not long before he died called Times Like These. Um, it came out around 2001. The song itself, Times Like These, is a beautiful song. Um, it's about holding together in times of trouble, stress, hanging on to what you truly have. It came out right after nine eleven. It seemed very poignant and pertinent. I love the album that came out. I have a copy of it. I listened to it the other day. I'm like two songs in. I'm like, nah. nah, nah, nah. <laughs> for some reason, it's not that it's bad. Or I don't. In retrospect, I don't like it. It just wasn't the time for it.
1: Well, yeah. well so, but also there was songs, a time. For, yeah, songs mean everything to different people. The lyrics, people take different things from the lyrics. It could mean to them about a breakup. So you know it's it, it songs mean different things to everyone that's the yeah. great thing about music yeah, yeah. that's right and louis you're,
0: Lewis, right. you're the, just as again I, i've said this to you many times but that you're a big band fan is that my dad always said that rick and um Levon. thank you Brainfart. two of the nicest guys just yeah. he made him feel at ease when they walked into you know his place yeah. so yeah yeah guys.
2: Yeah. So I uh, someone said Levon was one of the few guys in the business you could turn your back on he would stick a knife in it. Yeah. Or a fork or a spoon, you know. The right. yep. poor guy was you know? perpetually
0: broke cuz he helped everybody. Yeah.
2: <laughs> his <laughs> so his we're, word we're, his word was his word, you know. Guys, yeah. we're at 2 way.
1: hours already. So why are we doing we're a telethon hours. here? I, I didn't think we were going to make it. You didn't think we were going to make it? All no, right, let me no. let me have a record here for you guys to listen to for you got a whole week to listen to this all, right? All right. Later it on. is. John Prine, The Missing Years. All right. Oh. All right.
0: Okay. John Prine. I love John
1: Prine. John Prine, The Missing Years. I'm writing it down. Find, How do you when spell When you find it? out who the people are that played on the record, you will not be surprised. You may be surprised. How do you spell that? I'll have, a, I'll have Th- The Missing H-E. Years. John Prine.
0: Oh, I'm going to listen to this with my son because and he loves John Prine. And, of course, it was, on, it
1: was on his own record oh. label, Oh Boy Records. Yep yeah okay he was signed to asylum and when his contract was up to asylum he said fuck this i'm starting my own record company well
2: yeah um w- who's distributing or who distributed that record
1: who distributed old oh boy i don't know oh yeah, no. i think it's them no, no, because no, 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 no. Who, who yeah
0: uh i it's he, uh, he's got a big presence on the web oh boy records i yeah. just bought vinyl of one of his live albums that's on
1: oh boy yeah records. he's there were a few artists that came out on old oh boy too that he personally signed yeah,
2: yeah. is it named after the after buddy Holly song
1: uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, oh uh, my oh, love, oh, yeah. My... Oh boy, I I don't know. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so what do you want? we you oh. want to kick in the closing theme, guys? And uh
2: we might as well. Um, do we well. have any any information? Thanks for listening, people. We hope you like. Yeah, we hope you oh, like oh, what by we do. the way,
1: we are like I said, we are on Spotify, Anchor, yeah. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pod Chaser. What the hell is that? Pod <laughs> Pocket Casts. I like that one. And YouTube.
0: Hey, Lou, the, the discussion we were having, we'll pick it up next week.
1: All right. What discussion? <laughs> you interrupted us. <laughs> All right, so go ahead. What is it? Finish I'm it joking. Up, I'm only joking. No, no, no. What the hell's the, the difference? The, I'm what, the wise What discussion ass. did I interrupt on? I'm Danny the wise-ass of the... Yeah. <laughs> so ca- carry on with Cooch, man. No, I totally lost my two, train. We're at two hours and one minute. We yeah, can't, we got to get over, off.
2: We're going over time, you know? You know what? My, my
0: bladder is, like, blowing up here. I'm old, you know? <laughs>
1: Jesus, temperamental. (laughs) Well, that's why I remember you have eight subscribers on YouTube, man. Perry, remember when I was recording that solo
0: for you and you were getting on my case and I said,
1: fuck, stop. (laughs) Yeah, I said, you're noodle, stop stop noodling like Jerry Garcia, man. (laughs)
0: Remember that face? (laughs) Nice. Subscribe. Subscribe
2: or the dog gets it.
0: Like and subscribe.
2: We're missing an "en" subscribe.
0: I finally got some uh, arguing on the music rolls. We never argue.
2: No, it's true. Yeah, we got to fight. A, there's always there's there's time for growth, you know.
1: <laughs>
2: Mark, Ooh. you ignorant
1: slut. <laughs> Al Franken came up with that line. <laughs> Jane, you ignorant slut. That was that was that accurate. <laughs> Right, but, J- but Al
2: Franken wrote the line. Oh, no, he wrote that line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that was a great one. Yep. That was shocking in 1975. <laughs> that was in the point-counterpoint um, skit.
1: <laughs> yeah, Al Franken hey. wrote that skit. Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> All,
2: right. If, um, All right, so look, look for us if, next week, folks. We'll be talking about John Prine's The Missing Years and uh, any other thing we can come up with. Yes. Uh, we'll continue talking about uh, Danny Korchmar, and Perry won't interrupt it and we're, we're gonna have a big fight and it's if these multi-tracks
0: tracks have not been burned in a fire can that sweet guitar <laughs> be taken off and re-recorded? it sucks the guy it, must have been drunk be, uh, on uh, Yellowtail
2: I have the masters the masters are in my possession
0: I'm <laughs> not
1: <gonna> be like bill short name yeah. oh, you can re-record yeah.
2: it you like can re-record
1: it at gunpoint oh, 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 oh shit <laughs> oh, okay there we go okay. it's, all right. it's a potential sponsor and I only pour magnums And hello, Scott said, McLean. Hello, Tom Spallone. Hello, yep. Jack Calabrese. Thank yep. you, Scott and Jack, for having our, me on the show. Our friends from Mill no Crates and
2: Turntables Podcast and Going Postal with yep. Tom Spallone. They support us, we support them. And hello, we thank you uh, for your support.
1: Hello, Takenna. Yes, Takenna will be on what the about, show.
2: What about our technical director? Is he still our technical director?
1: I'm the technical Perry. director. Perry. Okay. Good night, I'd guys. I'd like to thank the Academy. Good, <laughs> Good night.
3: night. <laughs> Bye-bye. Night.
1: Farewell. Fairly thee well.